Welcome, everyone. I am Invictus Knox, your host for tonight on the All the Way Down podcast of Episode 8. This is my man, Dash Retro. That's me. Man, it's Episode 8 already. It's Episode 8 already, and we are talking about something I have a small obsession over. And uh, we're talking about CRTs. Right. Yeah, yeah. You alluded <laughs> to this at the end of the last uh at the last yeah. episode. So yeah. Um well So I don't want to do too much I don't want to delve too much into like I'm sure I'm sure I will on entirely on an I'm sure I will on accident. But I don't want to delve too much into how CRTs necessarily work. I think a more interesting topic for tonight is CRTs. Are they worth the trouble that you now have to go for? Yeah. Or go yeah. through rather. And it's really easy for this topic to expand into just playing retro games on real hardware in general, and is it worth it? Uh, but that's the thing, is I think that like CRTs are a big reason of why it's worth it overall, uh, yes. just because you get to use a CRT if you do if you use a real hardware. I mean, that's not necessarily true. You could use an emulator on a PC with a CRT monitor, but, uh, you know... Uh, yeah. yeah, okay. I can argue with myself, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, hang on. So you just highlighted two different kinds of use cases. So you said, you know, you can use it for the purity of itself, like, you know, a pure 240p monitor, like a TV or whatever, uh, whatever inputs you use. Or you can use something like a PC CRT monitor and emulate. And funny enough, that is exactly what I love doing uh, via Fightcade. So Fightcade is an online uh, matchmaking system with rollback netcode, a.k.a. the the best netcode you can really have for fighting games right now. Um, and it runs ROMs, like the arcade ROMs of these old retro fighting games. Um, and it has a scanline filter. And I was streaming once, and I, I seem to remember once when you came in on my stream, you noted that the scanlines looked great, I believe. Um, yeah. And- yeah, and that's because Fightcade gives you such good options on, like, well, when in full screen mode, this is my resolution. In full screen mode, this is my aspect ratio. Do I want pixel perfect? Do I want 4 by 3 Do I want, uh, you know, th- there's lots of different stuff. Resolutions, aspect ratios, you choose your monitor, you select its preferences. Uh, and yeah, when you give, when, when, when you have uh, a 240p game scaled all the way up, to 1200p well yeah 1200p because it's it's a direct 5x it's a 1600 by 1200 is the resolution of my crt so it matches a perfect four by three when it scales all the way up and then the, the actual scan lines uh options that Fightcade has makes it so you can tinker with it to make it work for your monitor so it's not just one solid like here's half of every you know, here's half of every line just gone uh and it's it's dark and now your screen is way too dark and shitty and you don't want to play the game um you can tweak it so pc crts just as good as as well actually in some many regards better but for the purposes pc crts just as good um Especially now that the prices of like, oh, we could talk about this. Now that the prices of like expensive, quote unquote, like high quality, quote unquote, CRTs are going up, (laughs) way up. Yeah. So my main CRT that I use is a, a Sony Trinitron 
PVM 20L2. So it's a it's a 20 inch PVM. Um, I got it for like 500 bucks a few years That's... ago. Nowadays it goes like a thousand. So that, it, I was just about to say, yeah, that's a great deal, actually. Yeah, so it makes me really worried about, like, if this thing ever stops working, it's not going to be super feasible to replace it, you know? Uh, and and that that's what led me to, like, my whole uh, question that I posed on Twitter about, like, th- this will maybe, man, we're bouncing around maybe too much, but my question of, like, how feasible is it for there to be a like specialty run of brand new high quality CRTs in the year 2021, mm. you know? Yeah. Like, could you, is there a market for, for there to be a definitive gaming monitor manufactured and released in 2021? And what would the price have to be on it? But that, that that's, that's okay. We can, we can, we can lay out a table of contents real quick. I'm fine with that. Um, I think so. All right. So we just talked about how there are different kinds of CRTs. There are your normal TVs that everyone knows and has seen in their house. Then you have PVMs, which I guess we should define as professional video monitors. Um, I think they have other. There's BVMs as well, which is broadcast. BVM, yeah. yeah, broadcast video monitors. They, I think, they came a little bit later on. They're made of higher quality components, and I think they're 16 by 9 capable. Possibly some even 16 by 10. I'm not sure. So um, the PVM I have does 16 by 9. Yeah, but yours is a 4 by 3 CRT, so it letterboxes, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think the actual some of the BVMs are actual widescreen CRTs. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, I could be wrong about that because I mean that they're a little rich for my blood, <laughs> so I've never actually gotten like a, any hands on them. But I've I've seen one in person, I think, and I, I've seen another PVM in person. Who fr- it was from the guy I bought my PVM from, which is actually a JVC. Mm-hmm. And so the big like difference or the defining factors between these things is CRT is generally just you know your your consumer it, well that's like the blanket term for it uses a tube right yeah. um, so PVMs are CRTs you know uh, but when you get into PVMs what those are is they generally weren't consumer devices it was like TV stations and whatnot when they had racks of displays for uh you know for monitoring um they would generally use these high quality monitors and the big thing about them is that like uh the the and the reason that you go for them is that it's because wwe wrestlers ripped them out of the walls when they were trying to make a scene yeah (laughs) so the picture on them is really nice uh and the other thing about them is that they they're one of the few ways in the u.s really that you can get rgb video uh in in a crt um rgb video being a type of analog signal that is not to be confused with YPBPR, which is generally referred which to no as component video. Which no one knows what you're video. talking about, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah we yeah. can go real in the weeds with this, which is what I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> but but well, you, you have saying... to you have to a little bit. There's composite yeah, yeah. video. That's your single yellow plug that everything has in the U.S. and it sucks. 
And then uh, the step above that, though, is S-Video, which mm. if you've got s you know what? If you've got S-Video, it's awesome. It's super great, it's and you should use it. It's fucking great. O- on yeah. the right set that uses it right, but yeah. Yeah. And then, like, the next step up is what people generally refer to as component video, uh, which is the, you know, the five tails, which, including the two audio. So it's the red, green, and blue three tails. Um but the uh, uh, like specifically though, that's why PBPR is like the name of it because technically S video is component video and so is RGB. Uh, so yeah, so that's why PBPR. And then like the step above that is RGB video, which I you know I, the thing is like technically they don't have to have the plugs that I'm describing, you know. Um, that's one thing that's really weird about delivering video analog video signals is that the actual shape of the plug doesn't define what it is. Oh, I'm yeah, just yeah. kind of talking about what's the most common. A cable uh, is a cable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like there's these things called SCART cables, if you don't know about them, that have 21 pins on the inside. Those carry composite video and S-video and RGB, you know, and if you component. want them to. Yeah. Um, you know, it just depends on what types of signals you're sending down what lines. So anyway, the reason that we're talking about all this is that in the U.S., it's very difficult to find a monitor that takes RGB video, and that's what makes PVMs so appealing to retro gamers is that they take RGB video, and it's the best looking. And then we have our third category, which um, it, most people don't realize, but... Uh I say they don't realize because when you say it's hard to find a monitor that takes RGB video, most people don't realize that PC CRTs always have, and that's been at their lowest quality. Like the little D sub blue connector that everyone calls VGA, uh, that's that's essentially RGB video, uh, and that's what you're holding in your hand. That you, if you if you know what you're, what I'm talking about is better than any obscure cable. And, and video standard that we're that we're talking right now, and that's purely because it's actually RGB video, except the sync signal is not a composite sync signal, which means horizontal and vertical are thrown into one uh, one signal line. Uh, it's they're separate signals. So you have RGB, horizontal, and vertical. Those are the inputs for VG or RGB VGA. The thing is. Most PC CRTs run at 31 kilohertz versus 15 kilohertz. This this is pretty much why when you turn a TV on, you hear that loud, high-pitched whine, and you're just like, ugh. But then, you know, as the tube warms up, it settles down, and you also just, your ears attuned to tuning it out a little bit more. And then the you PC hear it when CRT, you're going to sleep that night. Yeah, I know. The, the tonight <laughs> is just, oh, my God. I think I, I think I didn't sleep for, like, a week <laughs> when, I, when I went to LCD in my house. Um, but, like, yeah, so, fuck, that derailed me. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay, so you're saying that on the regular CRT it whines for a bit and then your ears tune to it. But yes. 30 kilohertz of a PC monitor. 31 kilohertz on a PC CRT monitor can't be heard because it is... 31 kilohertz the usual hearing range of the human ear usually caps out right in the middle of 20 kilohertz um and there are other kinds of monitors too like uh that have 24 kilohertz but those are a little bit more obscure devices we don't need to talk about that because it's irrelevant basically you have your tvs you have your pvms 
and you have your PC CRT monitors. They're all CRTs. And then now, now that people kind of know what they are, we should talk about why they are. Now, why would you want a really fucking heavy, uh, really cumbersome, front heavy, not very, very well wieldable uh, display in your in your in your house when you've gone to these beautiful wall mount things with OLED displays, yada yada. The reason why is a little something called uh, a nostalgia because it looks fucking badass. That's just how the games are supposed to be played. They, they were designed to be played on these monitors. You can there's a bunch of Twitter accounts you can follow that that just post comparisons of the raw data versus what it looks like on a CRT, and you're just like, oh my god, that's why I love these games so much as a kid. Side note, anyway, um, and then there's another thing called input lag, which means how much time in milliseconds are we measuring? are there exists between the pressing of a button on your controller to the action being displayed in frames on the screen. Um, on a CRT, with all analog uh, you know, video signals, nothing to process, nothing to upscale, nothing to, to, to give any image increase to whatever at all. You press a button and it was instantaneous. On a CRT with an analog video signal, it was basically like I think it was like one to two lame, one to two frames of lag is generally what is considered um, instant, because it, I think one frame of lag on a 60 hertz NTSC TV is 17 milliseconds. Yes, I want to say. Yep. So 17 milliseconds or 17th, one seventeenth of a of a second, right? Uh, I'm bad at math, so that's bad. not correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically, we're just we're just getting down to the point of saying, when I press a button, this shit happens way sooner on the stuff it was designed to be played on versus what we're trying to play them on now. So the big fight is to get 240p these old TV signals. Uh, up to 1080p minimum because we're in the 4k era and we're we're still struggling to get 5x scales to uh, 1080p and look good um that's the alternative you can go the route of expensive scalers to to make your game look almost as good as a crt and actually behave as quick as almost a crt and my god if you've played any of these like emulation consoles by the way the, the nintendo super nintendo mini and NES Mini. If you've played those and those are satisfactory to you, input lag probably isn't a concern for you because while the input lag on those mini consoles is pretty good, I'm just trying to give you like a baseline of what I'm what I'm talking about. When you play the actual games on hardware, they're just the tiniest bit more responsive than like an emulation console like that. Or if you're even just playing it on the Switch, I believe, like you're playing the Super Nintendo games that they release on Switch. I I, I don't know how input lag is programmed and factored into those but if you're just upscaling you'll notice the difference and uh yeah crts 20 years give or take after the market kind of chose to shift away from them therefore parts aren't as available uh and they're getting kind of niche and 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 expensive and is it worth it to buy it what's the short answer from you uh, well, totally. I, 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 it, it depends on like what level you're referring to. Cause a, as we were talking about before, there's a lot of options out there. And if you do just want to use composite video or, or RF, uh, then 
you you can you can still get one for free around nowadays, you know. Um, but yeah, if you do want to go to the to the higher end, you know, you're looking at like up to a thousand nowadays, and yeah, to to me, it's super worth it because. You mentioned the nostalgia, which is something for me. You mentioned kind of how the games look, including, like, the scan lines, which is big for me. But then the last point, though, the the input lag thing, that's, like, the biggest thing for me. I'm a huge baby about input lag. <laughs> and I think you have a right to be, though, because you speedrun. That's the thing, is that, like... So when I first started speedrunning Mario, and it was around the time that I was like trying to learn how to beat Battletoads also, nice. I was playing my old games on a HD TV using a Frame Meister for upscaling. And the Frame Meister, while it's better than like super cheap knockoff upscalers that are garbage, it's better than those things. It's a hell of a lot worse than like the OSSC as far as lag goes. Quick question. Um, um, mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about upscalers in a future episode? Probably, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like how yeah, we're doing yeah. CRTs now? Just, just an idea. Yeah, I think I'd, we I'd should. Love to. Um, cause yeah, the, basically though, uh, right. So I, I used to use a frame meister and you know, I thought like th- this, this is the thing is, is for, for your average person, um, f- for the average person, it, you will be totally happy with that, you know, with something like a frame meister or, or, and you know, an upscaler that's plug and play and easy to use. Uh, and it's got a little bit of lag, you know, but when you start trying to do all these like several frame perfect jumps in a row and shit in Mario, your your brain does get used to it, right? It, and 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 it it compensates for it in a way where you start naturally hitting the buttons a set amount of frames early, you know. Mm-hmm. But once you like you're saying, once you go to a CRT and the game is that much more responsive, it. Even even with a nice upscaler, it feels like night and day to me, at least. When you go t- when you go to a CRT and you feel that those extra couple frames of of responsiveness, it's like suddenly you know hitting those frame perfect jumps or pixel perfect jumps happens way more easily, um, and just like reactionary stuff is easier. If you're playing Mario and like you know that level in Mario three where all the all of those got all those little buzzy beetle looking things with wings are f- floating by and you have to jump on them one after another it's like a series of jumps where the things that you're jumping on are a single tile wide and they're moving and you are mo- like moving up and down with them it seems like something that's really tough you know and if you watch someone who's playing something like that on a laggy display you'll see the way that they jump past everything and then have to correct and all that kind of stuff uh but with a crt you'd be amazed at like how easily you can nail those like pretty tough jumps you know so Uh, speaking of night and day there's also the matter of image quality because crts by their very nature are shining bright ass light at you (laughs) like they're phosphors that are just lit okay i'm really glad you brought that up because okay so so the a crt um this this gets a little nitty-gritty but there Mm -hmm. there's something called persistence of vision which is that technically 
the the image on a CRT is being drawn by a is just a dot that is moving across every scan line one by one extremely fast, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but your eyes see a complete picture, you know? They see the entire streak at once. Yep. Um, so what that ends up doing is a lot of old games used flickering effects, you know, where something would blink on and off every single frame. In a lot of games, it's to be like your character is invulnerable or like in Smash TV it's uh, or Super Smash TV, it's like the ring around your character to, well, to show that you're invincible. Um, a lot of games do that. On a CRT, they it, it looks like it's just transparent. You know, the flickering effect of it is a lot less visible and it looks a lot more like the character, the, the object that you're looking at is just transparent, you know, and effects like that for water stuff, right? Like waterfalls and such too, I believe. So I've not, I've used, I've seen it used for shadows. I've seen Mm. flickering used for shadows, not waterfalls. Waterfalls. I've only seen them do personally. I've only seen that be done with dithering. Dithering, you know, yeah, for like for the, like they use dithering for the sonic wall uh, waterfalls, but I want to say like for water effects where they're having generally like they're drawing white sprites to simulate like you know the flashing the white water like rapids. I've seen where they've actually had kind of like oh yeah yeah yeah. I know. think like in like in battle toads, I want to say that there's like little whirlpools that flicker mm. and stuff like that. So yeah, you're right. It's I, I thought you meant like the entire ass thing. Oh, and, and to, <laughs> to bring it back to fighting games, when you see uh, when you see Ryu load up a Shoryuken and it's blinking like real crazy for a second while it's getting bright, and if he lands the Shoryuken, uh, the resulting enemy will be like engulfed in flames, and your whole character will like flicker like crazy on fire for a few seconds before he hits the ground. Yeah, yeah it, it's tough to explain, but but those kinds of effects look look a lot better on CRTs also. If you can even um, see them, because like the way that uh, if you if you, okay, so if you're watching someone on Twitch and you're seeing 30 frames a second, and they're managing to stream a 60 frame a second, like they're capturing at 60 frames, and you have some instance where like say I'm playing Castlevania, playing Simon Belmont, I get hit, I get knocked back, I start blinking because I have iframes, invincible frames. That's where it's blinking me, in order to you know, signify that I can't be hurt for these couple of seconds. Uh, I've noticed that when I streamed, Simon would either not blink at all or completely be invisible. Yeah, and the... Right, and the reason that happens is that generally it's an effect where the character is on one frame off Mm -hmm. the next frame over and over, and so if you aren't at the right sync or whatever and you're only seeing half the frames, then you're only going to see the on frames or only the off frames. Uh, And yeah, that's that's a bummer uh, when that happens. So Camel recently did that tournament of Astyanax for NES. Oh yeah, and uh, or Astyanax. I don't know how to say. I say Astyanax. Uh, But I have the game, but I've never played it. I haven't even seen that he was doing this tournament. What's what's the game about? Uh, So you are uh, Astyanax. You're like a 15-year-old boy or something who's in middle school, but you get transported to medieval time, uh, and you need to save... uh, With your companion Cutie, you need to (laughs) save... 
some what was her name? Princess uh, Rosebud, I think it was. That's you need awful. to save Princess Rosebud <laughs> from the evil Thorn, not Thornforge. That's Northern Lion's fake name. It's like his name was like Thorn Blackthorn or something. I don't remember. It was really basic. It was just to save the princess NES kind of story. Yeah. Um, man, the game was bad, but like it had some good ideas. Basically, the kind of the problem with it, I thought, was that the sprites of the characters and enemies were way too big, and then the hitbox was even way too bigger. Mm. Like, like you know, your your character is too big on the screen, um, as are the enemies. But then also, they just they hit you from a mile away with like the worst hitboxes I've ever seen. You know. And then, like, the jumping just kind of feels bad. You know that thing in Castlevania where if you jump while you're moving and your character intersects the ceiling, uh, you'll, like, run into the next brick of the ceiling and then drop straight down? Uh, I, I know, I thought I thought you were going to say, you know that trick where you jump, like, and your head gets into the ceiling, where you, if you hit the next brick, you'll be lifted up into the next level, because uh, that's how you boost when you're speed running. But I have not seen where if oh. you hit your head, you just drop straight down. Yeah, it, it, it's like when you when you kind of go into the ceiling a little bit, you, you keep moving until you, you know how it's, the, it's made of tiles, and you'll hit the yeah. next one like it's a wall and then drop straight down. They, I don't know. I remember that happening a lot in Castlevania. But um, but in this, like, imagine that phenomenon, except in this game it happens all the fucking time because they designed <laughs> the levels really poorly and, like, didn't compensate for this being an issue. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't happen very much in Castlevania because the levels are designed well to avoid it, but not this game, right? Uh, but uh, and and then on on top of that, it just has some really annoying behaving enemies. It's got a lot of parts where um, so you know, also in Castlevania, when you get hit and you can't like, you get knocked back and you often get knocked back into pits. So this game also has that, but they do this thing where they have tons of pits where after the pit is like an enemy plant that sprouts out of the ground, but you can't see it until you're jumping over the pit already. This is still Astinex, right? Yeah. Okay. And so, like, all the time, you'll just jump over a pit, and then the game goes, surprise, fuck you, and a, and a plant grows out and knocks you back into the pit and you die. Huh. Like, all the time, this game is designed for this to happen. So all these kinds of things are really annoying. What I can say nicely about it, though, is uh, there's a lot of cutscenes. So for, like, NES, kind of the spectacle of the game is kind of cool because there's just a lot of animated cutscenes that look pretty good. And uh, Cutie was pretty cute, uh, as her name suggests. They did a good job with that. And the game has a power meter. So this was kind of my favorite mechanic of it that I didn't actually even realize was going on necessarily until the last level. But so... You have a power gauge that fills up, and when you attack, 
it does the amount of damage of your power gauge, and then your power gauge completely depletes. And what that means is that you're rewarded for having calculated precise strikes on enemies. You know what I mean? Like, if you save up your power and then, boom, you land one shot, it does a ton of damage instead of just going up and mashing at the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking at the arcade version of the ROM, and it's actually a very beautiful game. It looks like it would be gorgeous on a CRT. Like, I'm looking at this one level where there is indeed a bunch of pits, um, but this hero-looking guy is walking across this area that he's on top of columns, almost like an aqueduct-looking thing of Rome, and uh, he's walking in between where the pits are from the broken pieces in the aqueduct, and there's like a lake there with the reflection of a mountain, a green mountain on this pretty shiny blue lake and then a blue sky with clouds and above is this a super nintendo game or is this a no i was gonna say this is a gorgeous nes game (laughs) i i've heard that the uh i've heard that the arcade version looks a lot better we played the nes version and it was uh it it was dreadful um dude it looks like if you saw the arcade version the environments, yes, the the character sprite that you play, not so much, but the environments look on par with Castlevania Four. Okay, it's real pretty. So yeah, um, but you know that that was that was our experience with it. Uh, I crushed it, by the way, the tournament. Um, you know, so nice. chalk one up for me. <laughs> but uh, but. Um, it but, was pretty funny. A, a few people didn't didn't even finish because they got so frustrated with it, and <laughs> you know they just said fuck it. Uh, but the reason that I brought it up was because so I played it on a real NES on a mm. CRT. Um, Camel played it on some kind of emulator that of looked good. Um, but then some people though, I think it was uh, two people played on emulator also. But they the reason I brought this whole thing up is that they had the issue that you're describing. Where when they got hit and they were invulnerable for a few seconds, uh, for some reason they, it didn't flicker. They either just didn't see their character for a few minutes or for a few seconds because it was totally invisible, yeah. or their character was just totally visible the whole time, uh, which kind of sucks because well, if you're invisible, that's kind of a disadvantage not being able to see your character, mm-hmm. and if you are visible the whole time, then you don't have the information about how long you're invulnerable as a player. So yeah. yeah. That blows. That's if though, if um, they're whatever you're, they're using to emulate doesn't compensate for that sort of thing. If if that can even be compensated for, I'm not sure. Yeah, I like uh, some people's emulators did it and others didn't. But okay. you know that that's part of the real hardware thing is you know I know that I'm I I, I know that I don't have to worry about any of that stuff if you just uh, I know that play it, like play it on an NES. In certain regards, emulation can be better. Um, because you can up-res shit to 1080p, and the game will look great. The textures will like have been updated to, to fit that resolution, and the game will look awesome. It'll still oh, look like yeah. an old retro game. Like, Have you seen Nintendo 64 games emulated and upscaled to widescreen 10, 1080p? It's yeah. like... <laughs> I saw the wrong game to, to give an example for, but... Uh, we, I was watching uh, a streamer a long time ago. She streamed, uh, she streamed Paperboy 64 on Nintendo 64. And that is one of the most surreal, nightmarish, 
awfully made 3D animated things I have ever seen in a game. Not, I mean, the audio you have to turn off. It's too awful to play. Um, but, you know, she was playing on an emulator. She wasn't playing on a CRT. So I imagine, like, the weird graphical effects of you manipulating the game like that. I wonder what the difference would even look like if you were look, if you're watching it on original hardware um, at yeah. somehow. So you you mentioned that it's sixteen by nine though. I think I've only seen four by three upreses. I don't know if I've actually seen it running in widescreen. Um, you force the game to run in widescreen. And does that like stretch everything out or nope. or really? Yeah, when you're emulating three D games. Uh, like, like I think it's just kind of like a built into the nature of how the games are made. I'm not a programmer, so I'm not sure. But like, uh, there's a lot of games where, like, like say on GameCube, if you uh, start the game up and you hold down B or something, you'll force it to 480p instead of 480i. Um, which you know, if you're playing, not uh, every game, not every game, yeah, of course. But like, yeah. like I think uh, I'm pretty sure Smash Bros. Melee is that way. Um. Yeah, a, a lot of games were. I, they, I think they had to be made for that, though. Yeah, and so like yeah. there, there are PS2 games that will will be widescreen compatible as well. And I think other games, like you, just kind of have to tweak it to force it to to be widescreen. And I think in some games it can cause some bug some bugs. You know, like there are games that are four by three, which were meant to be explored in four by three. So when you view the game in sixteen by nine. Um, you know, you'll be like the camera will be, will be like clipping through walls, and you can see enemies where you shouldn't see them, and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, I could see that. Yeah, I I did actually see recently they've been able to force widescreen on Super Nintendo. Uh, I think it only really works for the Mode Seven graphics, yeah. though. I think I saw which that too. means yeah. So like, I saw someone playing Super Mario Kart, and it was really cool because like the track is in sixteen by nine. Uh, and it looks nice, you know, but what's interesting is it's only the mode seven. So it's only the ground that's 16 by nine, all of the other player sprites and things like that, they get, uh, they disappear once they go out of the bounds of four by three, you know what I mean? So the, so the two sides, it, it's as if you're playing it letterboxed still, except instead of black bars on the side, it's more track with nothing on it. I feel like I know why that is, too, because if you think about how Mode 7 works, they just take one big background image and then they rotate it 90 degrees on a, on, from, its Z, from its Z axis to, like, down to its, you know, X or Y axis, whatever. Um, they flatten it. So it's this big image. So I, yeah. I imagine what they're doing is showing you, like, the game will be programmed to do a 4x3 viewable area. But, like, the image is bigger than that, and it's probably just letting you kind of not zoom out, per se, but it's showing you more viewable area where there is yeah, image yeah. to be shown. That, that's kind of cool. Did they? So they did that with Mario Kart, and that's... When you, when you saw Mario, he wasn't stretched or anything, was he? Right. Yeah. Uh, that is correct, that he was not... Like, right, all, all the sprites looked normal. It's Inside just like the they, view, yeah. In, yeah, it's just that, right, they're, they're in that spot. So, uh, so yeah. So, um, you think it's worth it for the hassle? Uh, uh yeah, yeah. So, what right. Is your, so, so, I was going to ask, what is your, uh, history of struggle with CRTs? If it just involves lifting and setting down heavy weight, 
I kind of envy you right now. Um, wh- no, it's a lot more than that. I uh, so I have a PVM I mentioned, which mm. the thing is, it does not have composite video on it. Really? Uh, yeah. So I am forced to use YPBPR or RGB. I don't think it has S video on it either. I think it's just YPBPR or it's a, RGB. You said it's a 20L2? Mm-hmm. 20L2. Does that have RGB via a, an add-on card like some of those PVMs will have? It has room for an add-on card, but nah, the RGB is on board. Oh, so you, um, well, so theoretically you could probably just find a composite add-in board. Maybe. Uh, if, if the thing... Yeah, maybe. Um, so the 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 struggle that that causes though is that uh, it means that first of all it's got so so okay. What I'm trying to say is my struggle is because I have this very specific <laughs> CRT yeah. that needs to be coddled in order to like it, everything oh? has to be its way. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, can you can you elaborate on that? Yes, uh, it's got to be YPBPR or RGB, I mentioned, but also BNC connectors are what it has on the back of it. So in order to actually like play games on this thing, uh, I needed to get a BNC adapter. Breakout, uh, yep. in- you know, yeah. In in order to um, in order to get it to be an interface that I actually have cables for, uh, and those cables I had to get SCART cables because that's the only thing that's like re- re- readily available for uh, for RGB consoles. And then for the consoles that don't do RGB natively, which is most of them, I have to do mods on those systems <laughs> for. So like, it's a lot of work. Uh, but I think it's worth it, partly because it looks really good, and partly because it's ju- it's fun. No. I enjoy doing the mod work and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like a little project, and it's fun to do. Now I do want to specify to everyone: we are like the one percent of of the nerds who like the games that you know are played on Super Nintendo and such. Uh, if you yourself, listening, a user, uh, wants to get a CRT and you just want to hook it up like you used to, composite, you know, the cables you have with your system already, um, you're going to already enjoy the upgrade tenfold over just plugging that thing into your LCD TV. We're talking about things that require, A, like Dash said, mods to your console in a lot of cases, B, Things that may require expensive plug-in boards or, you know, upscalers in order to even know the difference. We're streamers. We have significantly higher (laughs) uh, investment costs when it comes to um, essentially getting the best view for our viewers that we can, not just for us. So we we have that uh, on us. Right. For you, like on your TV. Yeah, so like, like you're saying, right? If if people want to play on CRTs, I would suggest trying to go S video as much as you can because it's easily, it's so much more easily available. And as far as the actual CRT image goes, it looks about as good, you know, um, yeah, about right. 
there's like this there's like this giant spectrum of video quality, right? Mm-hmm. And RF is down there at like one out of a hundred, and composite is at like five or ten out of a hundred. And then S video is a jump all the way up to like eighty, quick, in my opinion. Quick primer. When we say RF, we're talking about that one coax line you used to plug into your TV back in the early 90s. When we say composite, we're talking about the yellow, red, and white cables that you're probably familiar with. When we're talking about S-Video, we're talking about this one, it's it's video only, but it may have audio lines attached, like the red and white cable. But this one will have like this, it'll be like a weird black square plug with like a little plastic piece inside it. Um it all all that all that is is taking composite you know the yellow cable and it's taking hor- or not horizontal and vertical it's taking luma and chroma so your color and then your brightness and separating those t- two signals so you have a little bit more a refined image than uh, what you're already used to yeah like the reason that composite sucks is because they're shoving color brightness and sync data all down a single wire and it's too much and they kind of they kind of cross talk a little bit and so that's what causes you know fuzzy images and such um so yeah like totally if you if you're playing or um oh yeah so so color is color luma is brightness and then sync is what tells the tv when frames start and end you know you have to organize the data for the tv to interpret and that's that's what the sync is for there's a horizontal sync which is every single line and then there's a vertical sync which is every single which is every frame um but yeah so s video is great uh you know and and it's it's a lot easier to get into but like like knox said um i be i'm i i love the nitty-gritty shit you know and i i like opening the systems up and just to clean them a lot of the time but also like tinkering with them and doing you know uh there's there's mods that very smart and cool people have developed for a lot of consoles uh in order to uh, get RGB video out of them just because it, you know, it's the best video signal, and the consoles can produce them, you know, just with these yeah. little extra things. So yeah, I go the extra mile with that stuff. For example, I just got a PC engine, right? Um, ordered a PC engine from Japan because I really want to play Castlevania Rondo of Blood. I got it. Turned out that the uh, the audio wasn't really working all that well. It all kind of worked, but not really. Basically, when you played a CD game, it kind of seemed like the background music didn't work, but the sound effects did. But then after you kind of, after like three minutes or so, the background music would like really slowly and crackily fade in. And oh. then it would be working. It was very weird. That sounds but, like it's coming from the. It's 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 not getting the, the data from the CD drive like it needs to. Well, uh, what I, I so I looked it up, and uh, apparently it's it's a very, very common issue with PC engines that their capacitors go bad, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy because or well which is fun to to repair because there's like 60 of them you also Um, just need to make sure your laser assembly is still good though sure sure well well also that you're not uh god i i don't want to i don't want to worry you but pc engine cd games are experiencing disc rot now so you may want to check that too well 
What I can tell you is that uh, I, I first thing that everybody said was, hey, check the capacitors, because it's extremely common with these systems that the capacitors go bad. So I opened it up, and yeah, a couple of them, you could see, like, some leaked electrolytic fluid on the board and stuff. Like, yeah, definitely some of these caps were bad. So I, ordered, so I ordered the cap kit from uh, console5.com. And this is the thing. This is the thing about retro games is that some of this stuff sounds way too complicated, but... I had this issue where the capacitors on my system are bad, and, like, I've never replaced capacitors before. I don't really, really actually know what capacitors do, but some other nerd who runs console5.com put together a, uh, a website where you can just buy the kit that is every single capacitor on the PC Engine. And there's a map on the website of, of what they all are. And so, yeah, so I bought this kit. I got a hot air rework station because that's how you can take off these surface mount capacitors much more easily. And I took off all the capacitors, replaced them all, boom, perfect. Everything works now beautifully. Quick, um, quick nerd interlude. Um, mm-hmm. I'm the other nerd. Uh, who knows what a capacitor is? So here's my <laughs> understanding of a capacitor. I want to know if I'm right. It's okay. kind of like a dam, where uh, because electricity is kind of like water yes. at light speed. Yes. And the thing about like a river is that it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit. Sometimes the sometimes the water is coming more lightly and sometimes it's coming more heavily but electricity is like that at light speed where it's like the the stream of electricity is not perfect right so a capacitor basically builds up charge on one side where it's coming kind of shitty because it's electricity and it puts it out the other side in a nice even flow that's a really good example that I wasn't expecting you to pull out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, so I was so going that's to say basically what they do. I was going to say a capacitor is measured in its ability or capacitance. So yes, what it does is it fills up with the flow of uh, electrons, and at a certain point discharges them based on a whole bunch of different parameters. Like I believe. I, Talking about my ass, I, I, I'm only, I only know so much about this, but I believe uh, the time it takes to discharge that has uh, to do with how much capacitance it has with the kind of capacitor it is, be it like electrolytic, ceramic. Um, they all have different kinds of properties, the different, different kinds of capacitors. Um, electrolytic is what is used in these consoles, which is what also in CRTs, which uh, is another big point of why the, the, the CRT life can be a hassle. <sighs> these are TVs that have lasted remarkably for 30 years. In a lot of cases, still work just fine. Um, their image geometry may not be the best for a lot of different factors. There could be magnetic strips that fell off or just need to be adjusted on the actual tube itself. There's a bunch of stuff. You need to recap them at some point because a lot of them have electrolytic capacitors which will leak and destroy the board. So, yes, if uh, 
have you experienced that? Is that something that you've you've needed to, to, to address yet, or is it? I, I think when we were talking about your struggles, it's pretty much just you know RGB is what you have to have in order to use your CRT. Um, yeah, that's the only issue that I've had. Uh, okay. Of course, the other one that you mentioned where the thing weighs like 70 fucking pounds. Yeah. Well, you also have a Sony Trinitron PVM. And to my understanding, Sony Trinitrons generally weigh about 30 to 40 to 50 more pounds than uh, the average competitor set because of the very nature of aperture um, aperture grill displays. Uh, so... Here's another CRT quick thing. First, you got aperture grills, which is the Sony Trinitron. They had the uh, they had the patent on it for the longest time until they, it ran out, and then Mitsubishi made a Diamondtron, and I think there was another one too. Uh, and then you have your normal TVs that everyone's pretty much used to with like uh, the universally curved glass. Um, the the Trinitron will be curved only on the horizontal dimension, and because of that, it requires a lot more glass on the top and bottom of the screen because the it doesn't curve in all four directions like the normal shadow mask, which is what every other brand of CRT is, basically. Okay. Um, so most CRTs is like a bubble and mm-hmm. uh, of glass, and that's and it uses a shadow mask, and then trinitrons use an uh what did you call it an aperture grill so a shadow mask uh think of it as a very very fine uh net it's an ele- it's it's a metal shield with circular holes in it if you look real close at a crt you ever did this as a kid you ever look really close up to your tv and when you look at it you can see little circles of red green and blue you're going to see those repeated over and over and over because those are the, – the electron guns are firing red, green, and blue at those sections. And what you see is the light that comes through that grill uh, or, or shadow mask. The aperture grill or Sony Trinitron's design, uh, if you look at it real close, you'll see vertical lines, a red line, a green line, and a blue line. And what that is purported to do, at least back in the day when it was first invented, is it promised the ability to get more light through than a shadow mask could provide, as well as having higher color definition by having the bars right next to each other, as opposed to kind of like in the same circle area. Um, And this kind of made it a, a huge success in the in the in the marketplace but um as i said the way it's designed because it has those vertical lines it's curved across ho- the horizontal view of the glass to give you hor- those vertical lines all the way across they if they curved it in all four directions like a shadow mask those lines would be bent and the image would be distorted so essentially um what this all means is Sony Trinitrons are fucking heavier because they got more glass in them, and I think they're actually three individual guns for red, green, and blue. I want to say, um, so more guns, more electron guns, and yeah, more glass. Uh, so hey, wait, wait, fucking sucks dealing with CRTs, and when you have to haul because you're a retro gaming fanatic, and now you got the CRT bug. When you have to haul. A 40-inch Sony Trinitron uh, XBR FS410 or whatever, and then uh, you got to hold that up to your third-story apartment. 
you're going to be pissed for like a day and then like you're going to be upset for like a week but when you turn it on you're going to get something that you will not get ever again when it comes to playing video games which is what the best money could buy because like these tvs were like two grand back in the day yeah, like so, right? Because like back to the the PC engine thing, real quick. Because yeah, sure, I got sorry. I got two two points about it. Because um, w- one is that, uh, 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 firstly, like I'm I know that general idea of what a capacitor is, but I don't know what capacitance means. I don't know why they're different voltages or whatever. But it's pretty easy as a dumb uh, for a dumbass like myself to. Just buy the kit online, follow the map, and and do some solder replacing on all of them, and boom! Now I have a fixed console. Uh, and so, but that, that that's what's funny about about the CRT thing is that the main reason, pretty much the only game that I bought the PC Engine for, is Castlevania Rondo of Blood. Mm. You can just get it on PSP. There's a remake of it where the the original game is included. Or I think they released it on PS4. You can get it digitally. Or they released it on Wii U Virtual Console. Um, there, There's ways to play it. But the only way that I can play it on that PVM is with the PC Engine. And so I went through all this hassle... And uh, and now I have to like the game because um, <laughs> you, you can't because it's <laughs> go ahead sorry I'm I won't you. I I'm invest I'm so emotionally invested now I I won't be able to handle it if I don't like it so I just wanted to say to everyone uh, no one's gonna have the reference here except for probably me and Dash but Dash posted some screenshots of uh, his video output it was video output from from the same console right. Yeah. Yeah. Before RGB mod via composite, and then after RGB mod, uh, and I think you give direct. Was it direct signal? I think I don't think you showed the actual. I think you showed direct data feed. Oh, both yeah. Times. It, it was. It was the capture. Through yeah. The capture card through the capture mm-hmm. card and composite, which is the majority of what everyone was going to use. Uh, you know, yellow, green, or gif green, yellow, red, white cables. Uh, composite made the shading of the artwork scene, like of the artwork of the scene that you showed in the opening of the game, made the shading of the colors look way more natural. But yeah, th- the RGB, the characters were more sharp. So it's like a trade-off. Yeah, that's one thing about... Uh, well, well, this is a CRT thing, though, because yes. what you were looking at was a captured screenshot uh, on a PC, where that is something that's interesting when you when you do composite video and everything kind of blurs together it makes dithering effects and things like that uh which is if you don't know what dithering is it's like when when two colors are checkerboarded and so when they get kind of smeared by by a TV uh, it looks like a color in between the two and it's how they achieved more colors than they had available on the palette so um so the composite 
part of it kind of blurred things together a little bit. And yeah, it meant that like a gradient effect on the shading on some yeah. stuff looked pretty neat. Then you go to RGB where it's this beautiful, razor sharp, crisp pixels. Uh, but that means that you can see these individual square pixels that are making up this shading effect. And yeah, in a lot of people's opinion, that might look a little bit worse. However, on a CRT with the like the the phosphors and whatnot, I think the dithering effect still plays pretty well, um, and it it ends up making those shading effects still look good. I think when on, it's on that, when it's on the bright you know CRT screen, yeah, it still looks good. It, it's it's really just a capture thing. I was gonna say I think no matter what that's going to look really good on on the uh, on the PVM i i i remember a specific time when i went over to a local buddy's uh house uh we're we're in a retro gaming group um together and we we trade stuff for every now and then he showed me like i i i got him into the crt he, i he the bugs bit him he showed me um this he was playing uh one weird konami game where like you play a baby on famicom disc system and he was playing on this um this pvm and i was like whoa yeah you already rgb modded your super famicom and he was like oh no that's composite and i was like excuse me because i was looking at it and i was like holy shit composite on a pvm looks like rgb on a, a tv it's it's fucking good you have to actually search for a couple seconds to to notice any of the blur that wouldn't be present on a higher quality video signal on that monitor um so the kind of set the, the kind of crt you buy does matter uh, whether it's aperture grill or shadow mask that's a preference uh you can look up and see the differences but between the two um and then there's like you know when was it made how 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 good are the electronics inside still that that sort of thing so there's there's so many factors in in whether or not a CRT is still mechanically sound and or will it be for the duration that you intend to enjoy it for yeah so like i i am not crazy with having like multiple yet you know but, uh, yeah, I, I mentioned, like, right at the top that I, I worry about the day that this thing stops working because replacing it with a like model is going to be a way bigger cost. Hopefully it'll be something that's just fixable. Yeah. But more likely, what, I'm, what I've been thinking is that, um, well, it's pretty likely that at some point I might end up going S-Video just for simplicity. Um, or, or... Uh, I've actually seen there's a way that you can modify a lot of consumer TVs to take RGB, and it's it's pretty neat yeah. what the what the process is. Um, but basically, the 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 thing is that RGB video is like a really raw form of video data, and so some TVs actually use it internally in order to drive 
their on-screen display. So that's why even if you have kind of a, a blurry old CRT, the OSD that comes up, the display, like the menu, looks really nice and crisp. I've always wanted to fucking re- know why that happened, and I can't believe I haven't thought about it until now, but damn, nice. Yeah, so the reason is because there's two chips on the, the board. One of them is like what drives the menus and that kind of thing, and the display, and the other chip has to do with what's actually processing the video like to be sent to the tube, right? And how... And the, the one that processes the display sends the display video to the other chip via RGB, just down, well, not with the sync, though. It's actually using the whatever existing sync is there. Which is probably composite uh, sync. Which is probably composite. Um, it, it uses that, and then, and then, but the RG and B three pins on the chip are just routed to the other chip as an RGB in. Uh, and so, oh, and then there's one more that it uses, uh, which is a blanking line that, that light. And, and so that line lights up just to say we're using the RGB for this portion. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that way, if you're, st- if you're, if you're, uh, uh, listening along with the, TV drawing a frame, right? It's drawing a frame. It, it there's gonna be menu, right? But it's drawing the frame, and then for every pixel where there's supposed to be menu drawn, this blanking thing turns on to say ignore whatever else you were drawing. Put the RGB in for this part, right? And that's how it achieves the on-screen display. So you can just hijack those RGB lines and that uh, blanking line and inject RGB directly into that chip on a consumer or on, on like a just a regular ass TV. Yeah, which, uh, which so is that's a, cool. Which is a thing that is different from TV to TV depending on their design. Um, a lot of TVs right. won't be able to actually do that because they don't use RGB natively to, to use the on-screen display. Um, but it is a thing you can explore once the prices of PVMs go through the roof, which... That's my next subject, which we talked a little bit about price earlier, but I, I'm looking here at the sold listings on eBay. Um, if I sort by uh, price, which it's not letting me do right now, but here, I'm looking at a 5-inch PVM, which is a teeny tiny little thing, and that sold for about $500. I'm looking at a 14 inch, which is, I think a 14 inch is how big a, uh, that, that's how big a, a, a PVM I use. It's a great size. Um, this sold at, with 23 bids at $335. And it, it just goes up from there. Like the bigger ones are going to be, like here's a 2030, a PVM 2030, $1,000, $1,050. Um, so, this is technology that people are actively throwing on the curb and even like their garbage trucks won't pick up because it's illegal to throw these in the garbage and people don't know that. Um, so they're letting perfectly good electronics, which I, <laughs> I made a, I made a tweet today. It did a lot, way, a lot better than I thought it was going to, but I was saying essentially, eventually there are going to be a lot of people regretting uh, letting that big, nice 32-inch, like, Zenith or Philips Magnavox with, quote-unquote, just S-video, uh, let, letting that go to the dump. Because I'm predicting 
based off of how the prices of PVMs are through the roof and how big the retro gaming market has become even before the 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 pre covid explosion you know um even with the covid explosion um there's so many people into it and everyone knows like CRTs are the way to like really look at these and i i i just think like the JVCD series is of the world the the the, the Sony Trinitrons like the 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 big nice consumer sets with component native video so you can get like rgb quality for no effort at all i think those are going to start selling for higher than a hundred dollars like we're seeing them sell for on facebook marketplace and such right now um i i think i think that the the cheaper sets if they survive are going to be if they look like really aesthetic like (laughs) if they're like an rca set that like are still built into those big wooden console boxes i think those will probably sell pretty well um if they're a good quality tube or like just a like a nice middle of the road ge tv you know i think even those are eventually just going to be not outrageously expensive but not free anymore um certainly i don't think they're just going to be grabbed off the curb like they are now um the days are i i I talked to someone who's been in this for a while and he said you used to be able to just like call into a news station and be like hey do you have any of those nice broadcast video monitors those pvms that you're trying to offload it's like yeah we we got them in the back you know we're trying to get rid of them for free uh well i'll come grab them i'll take them off your hands and now they're selling for thousands of dollars it's like i think that's just indicative of the rest of the market eventually not to that extent because PVMs are a lot more uncommon than consumer TVs, but like I do think they're just gonna be worth more at some point. Yeah, and like that, and that it leads to like what I was what what I was posing earlier to say like let's just say that there was brand new manufactured in 2021, brand new high quality CRTs that have composite and component and RGB video on them, uh, and they're 480p, right, and they're the size that you want, like, what, I mean, like, what is the, what would the asking price be? Uh, Or what, uh, more, I I should say, like, what could the asking price be (laughs) of that? Because if people are paying $1,000 for something that's, you know, 14 to 20 inches that was that was manufactured in 2005 uh and you're promising the same quality but brand new um you know i feel like you you could ask at least that much uh just just by nature of it being brand new and and uh and you know having that confidence that it's not uh it's not going bad on the inside yeah i i think the answer to that lies in Okay, so I mentioned earlier about how, like, the nice 480i, 240p, really nice, like, 4x3 Sony Trinitron XBR sets or the FS310s or whatever, um, those are getting expensive, but those sold new uh, for, like, almost $2,000 uh, at, when you know, you can go back and look at, like, Christmas catalogs at Best Buy for TVs like that, and they were selling for, like... $1,800 or such in like, I, I'm just throwing this out there, like 2004 or something, you know? Um, the market was moving then, but like the CRT good picture stuff was still well-established um, 
to compete against projecting TVs, which in my opinion are garbage, but we won't go there for now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I, I think, I think those things are going to get more expensive and I think there's going to be a, more of a market to repair them than to remanufacture new ones because the reason I pick, picked out the Sony Trinitron as an example is because they could probably make them if all the tooling and machinery to make them and manufacture them still exist, which I highly doubt they still do. Sony is a company that cuts shit off quick when it's not working, from from what I understand. Like, I think they just stopped making TVs just recently altogether. They, uh, oh, really? They just don't make TVs anymore. And that was crazy because, like, they were making, as far as I understand, like the cream of the crop. Like, w- you could buy a four hundred dollar LG four K TV. You could buy an eight hundred dollar uh, Samsung four uh, K TV with HDR, maybe. Or you could spend two, three, four thousand dollars on the same size, the same resolution, or eight K possibility, probably with the Sony. But like, you know what I mean for way more way more money and i'm like okay well they have to be in best buy for a reason people have to be buying them they have to be worth there has to be something in them that makes them worth 10 times the cost of the next leading brand and it's like maybe they weren't worth that much and i think sony was losing a bunch of money on it and i think they just said fuck it no cutting it off yeah, what all this eventually like leads to for me though is just a, a question of like if if the market kind of starts to look like this right now, then what will it be soon? Because like at some point it might actually be profitable to say that, you know, you want to manufacture it's, yeah, you, that that you want to manufacture what is going to be the new like definitive retro gaming monitor, you know? Uh but yeah, yeah. Well, I, I had I another hope you're place right. to go with that, but I forgot. I don't think you're right. But yeah, I, I would right. love to see it. Yeah, I, I would love to see it, and I think part of my love to see it is what is what kind of makes me, uh, you know, have hope. Yeah. But uh, I, I can. But you, you're. Hmm? The thing about it, though, is is just how easy it is to to not be able to see outside your bubble. You yeah, know? for sure. Because. Uh, because yeah. what I was going to say is I think there will be more of a market for people repairing them and making them like new and refurbishing them than there will be new manufacturing for them. Um, mm-hmm. And I say that because there's people like me right now. Uh, I know someone like me who now has one, two, three, four, and I got one more today. I wasn't even trying, but it just happened. I got one more today. Five pc crt monitors three of them have what i assume to have uh flyback transformer issues because they're just worn out and they won't produce a picture they just keep flickering essentially the essentially the power is not able to get to the machinery that needs to fire to make a picture on the screen is what's happening um and the two apple imac displays that i'm actually looking at and talking to you on right now i'm using a crt to use this and film this podcast um on that they were apparently infamously like infamously going bad with their with their flybacks so at some point they were issuing recalls mac was but i I think that i think that ship has sailed for me and i can't find any parts like i thought i could I, i figure flyback transformers 
I figure CRT parts would be a little bit more plentiful than they are. Like new old stock. I mean, there's got to be service places somewhere that just has a bunch of shit. I, I don't know, but it's a little harder than I thought. So that's been a huge woe for me when it comes to dealing with CRTs. Um, is just tr trying to make sure all the ones that you have work. <laughs> so... Uh, you mentioned earlier, like whether we should talk about upscalers, and I kind of feel like I kind of feel like we would have a little bit of time to right now just to to give a little bit of love to like if people don't want to have a CRT, what is their best option, right? Um, but to get into that, what I wanted to say was uh, I I feel like that might be the more likely scenario of like coming into. Um, in, into the the future where where there's going to be more and more of a market uh, to for retro gaming people um, to have displays that are low latency and that kind of thing uh, I I think it's getting easier to find monitors that are lower and lower uh, of display latency and such just because video gaming as a whole is is becoming bigger you know and what I keep thinking, is that why do you need an upscaler? Because imagine, Im like, imagine if someone like Mike Chi, creator of the Retro Tank, was able to make a deal with, like, LG or something, where LG TVs are going to start having a Retro Tank port on them, you know? Where it's like, you got your normal, you got your normal inputs, but then there will be, like, I don't know, you know, they're uh, like a D sub input or something that is like a retro tank port that's got the retro tank options on it, and boom, it's an upscaler built into the TV. I know TVs do upscaling already, but they do it shitty, all right? That's why I'm saying take someone like Mike Chi, who's made these really great upscaling products that are just a tiny little circuit board, start slamming those bitches into a TV. Uh, You're saying just replace the upscaler, essentially, yeah. Right? Just build it into a TV. Yeah. Like, I, I, oh, yes, yes, replace the upscaler of a TV or that they normally have yeah. with, like, this new technology that's, that's coming out, uh, you know, that has all these great options and knows what the fuck 240p is and all that kind of stuff in it, you know? Because um, basically what I'm saying is if you... If you just plug a retro console into an HDTV, you get a huge amount of lag, and it's not because it's it's not because your TV can't draw the picture fast enough or that kind of thing. The problem is that most TVs don't know what 240p is, and that's the resolution that consoles like PS1 and prior all use. And so it sees the 240p as 480i. And the problem with 480i is that it's interlaced, uh, is what the I stands for, and the TV that you're plugging it into is progressive, so it needs to de-interlace it. And the de-interlacing is precisely what takes all the time. So it's taking an image to wrap, to, to, to you know, that means it's taking an image that's not interlaced <laughs> to begin with and ruining your gameplay in order to de-interlace it. Um, so, you know, if they could just start building m modern TVs with the functionality like upscalers have, like, you know, 
nice upscalers that you buy have, then we wouldn't even really need to talk about it all that much. It could be really great. What if we just like show up to like LG's headquarters and then just have like just have like a little potato sack with like a bunch of retro tinks in it. Just like chuck it in a bag, just chuck it over their fence and hit their front door and then just run and see what happens. See ha- see if mm-hmm. like LG starts making TVs that are one millisecond of lag. Could you imagine that? If their upscaler could right. produce between one to two frames of lag, that's exactly what we hunt when we go after the OSSC, or we go after the RetroTINK, or we go after the FrameMeister. The FrameMeister is going to put a l- tiny bit more lag in, but honestly, the FrameMeister is a quality product as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I've used it for two years now, and it just fucking works every day, plug and play. It's awesome. But uh, Yeah, so like I sit here and I dream about the day where CRTs get manufactured again yeah. as definitive retro gaming monitors, but I think what's really actually going to happen is new progressive displays are just going to become more and more apt to play old games on them. Uh, you know, without me bitching. And they'll be able to fake the scan lines just as well, <laughs> and the lag will come down and down and that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, and, yeah, until then, we have stuff like these upscalers. So, yeah, I've used... Uh, first, I got a FrameMeister, then an OSSC, and I plan on getting a RetroTINK 5X. But let me give you real quick my um, experience with them. The FrameMeister is, like, super easy plug-and-play. It takes everything, right? You can It does composite, it does component, it does RGB, it does HDMI even, uh, and it spits out HDMI in, like, a super clean 1080p signal that is very easy for a capture card to pick up. It looks incredibly good on, the, on your TV as far as, like, how well it's able to upscale with really nice, sharp pixels and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it, it, it looks really good, and it's really easy to use. However, it has a bit of lag, you know? It's got, it's got a few more frames of lag than other upscalers have, and it drives me nuts, and I can't use it because of that. <laughs> so I got an OSSC. The OSSC totally eliminates that extra lag, uh, and that's great. Um, I forgot what the other, oh, the other thing about the OSSC is it is, it has a little bit more compatibility. Like the PS2, for example, if you play in 480p, it does its RGB via sync on green. Yes, it does. Which the FrameMeister is not compatible with. It does not know what that is, but the OSSC does do that. Uh, so the FrameMeister works just fine actually with that well, all you have to do is you go into the ps2's uh settings and like when you when you when you turn it on it'll be all green you're right but if you go into the ps2 settings and change output it actually is looking at component which is why it does that so you change that to rgb and then it works just fine to the frame meister hmm I might have to test it, but I thought it was an issue of the sync. It's that the sync signal is in a weird spot. To be honest, I um, believe the cable I use for RGB on my PS2 is a C-Sync cable. I'm pretty sure hmm. I'm getting C-Sync out of it. Uh, it might be internally wired that way, and maybe that's why the FrameMeister doesn't have an issue. Yeah, I don't know. It might have like a sync stripper. Yeah. 
it you might have one that's built about? in. Yep. Yeah. Something like that. Um, okay, so that could work. Uh, but yeah, so I, I ended up getting the OSSC, I don't know, just to kind of play around with it to eliminate the little bit of lag, um, which is funny because I play on the CRT anyway, so like the upscaling for me happens later in the chain, so it act- technically doesn't matter how much lag it yeah. has. Uh, <laughs> anyway, though, anyway, my experience with the OSSC is that um, you get a lot more options and it's a lot more basic as far as like what it does uh where it just kind of for example if you have it on two times line doubling mode it just kind of doubles the line count right as it goes through um and and converts it to hdmi but it doesn't spit out a 1080p image you know it spits out whatever the doubling is uh and so it, it has a little bit more compatibility issues with like some capture cards or or some displays uh and like so so what it ends up doing technology wise for me on stream is that now i have to like reset my capture card every time that the that uh the like i switch systems or that kind of thing you know because now it's getting a different resolution while the frame meister just kind of output everything the same that reminds me of the other problem with the frame meister it is extremely slow to boot up. Mm. Like, when the signal first comes in, it takes, like, four seconds for it to actually put the image on screen, which with old games, one thing, uh, it was that when you turn on an NES, that title screen is instantly on screen, you know? Or it might just say Nintendo for a second, right? And uh, and so with the Frame Meister, you kind of you miss that that little opening bit, you know, where it says Nintendo presents and goes ping on a Super Nintendo game or something, right? You totally miss that with the Frame Meister. That is uh, why the I love the Sega right Genesis up. because the Sega Genesis, its reset button is not a hard reset. It doesn't like just interrupt the power, so you don't lose the sync. So when I turn my Sega Genesis on. I go, okay, y'all didn't see that real quick, and I'll hit the reset button, and then, you you know, da-ding, Sega. Okay, yeah, yeah, Same yeah. with the GameCube. The GameCube's reset button, yep. software reset. It's beautiful. because I Also the N64. Uh, oh, I haven't tried the N64s yet, but I think you're right. The thing about the N64, though, is, man, those buttons love to get stuck. My reset button has been yeah. stuck since year one of me owning it as a kid. <laughs> I it's been pushed in since year one. If that ever comes unloose, like while I'm playing, unloose. If that ever comes loose while I'm playing a game, bye bye game. <laughs> that <Yeah>. sucks. <laughs> but but yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the so the OSSE is nice because it it is much more responsive with that kind of thing, especially God forbid you're playing a game that changes resolution depending on what's happening. Like Final Fantasy VIII, for example, is a game where all of the like pre-rendered cutscenes are in 480i while the gameplay is in 240p, so it flips between them. And with the Frame Meister, you would get four seconds of black screen every time that happens and miss the start of all the cutscenes, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, so the OSSC solves problems like that, uh, and it has less well, you also However... You... Oh, sorry, go ahead. However, it's got that little bit of compatibility, and it's a 
fucking nightmare to get it to look as good as the frame meister gets things to look plug and play really you know yeah you have to like go in and fine tune the like phase settings oh. and that kind of thing in order to get the pixels actually to line up and I've like never even done it. Um, it comes it comes with a nice setting for uh, NES and SNES. There's like a 256 by 240 optimal mode that works really well for NES and SNES. Mm. But like I don't know, man. Other stuff I've tried fine tuning it, and uh, I tried looking up online. People have like documented like here's the settings that got mine to look perfect, and I put those in, and they looked worse, you know, and. I uh, it's kind of a you mentioned there was downside. you mentioned the other problem with the frame meister. Um I'd like to list one more grievance with the fl- with the frame meister actually which is uh caused by Microsoft ceasing production of them. The prices of the frame meister have gone through the roof. The prices of the the base price of the frame meister when new, when I bought mine, I bought mine straight from Microsoft in Japan. They shipped it from Japan. Um, got it with the uh, Euroscart adapter to use the small RGB input on it because you need that. Um, I paid for a remote control overlay so I don't have to read Japanese. I can read English on the remote. Um, 400 bucks it's a lot of money to spend on something that isn't even a video game console it's a lot of money to spend on a device that's just supposed to do the damn thing the thing in your tv should be doing um but now it's even worse (laughs) like I'm, i'm seeing a couple sales here i'm looking at the sold ebay listings i'm seeing a couple of them they give me hope. This one, this one here was one bid, two hundred bucks. Looks pretty good. Another guy got three hundred bucks, four hundred bucks. That's like the average that I'm seeing here. But then, seven hundred, six fifty, a thousand from Japan, not the U.S., mind you. Five hundred, nine hundred, a yeah. thousand. That's what these sold for. And it's like, dude, you need to be looking. If you're looking at this, you could be spending ten times less. Going into the next thing that we're going to talk about, I guess, if we're, if we're talking about upscalers, which is retro tanks. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. These things will do yeah. what you need for less than 10 times that. <laughs> like, less than 10 times less than yeah. that. Um, the regular-ass retro tank, which does composite video, com- uh, YPBPR, and S-video, is like, I think it's $100, yep. right, for that it's about thing? about 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. And the mini, uh, if you if you're only interested in using the cables you already got, you know, yellow, white, you know, that composite, what you're used to. And if you have S video, it works for that too. This is the mini. This is only like eighty bucks. And of course, mm-hmm. you can always wait for a sale. He, he does, uh, you know, coupon codes every now and then. Um, yeah, I think I think there's SCART ones as well. So yeah, basically all in all, I would say that like the Frame Meister, yeah, it's it's just like it, even if the, uh, even without our grievances with it, um, the the price is is out of control now because they they don't even make them anymore. I should probably sell mine. Uh, and then the OSSC, <laughs> the OSSC is also pretty expensive. I want to say I want to say it was about three hundred. Oh, what? Uh, uh, who'd you buy yours from? With shipping. I think VideoGamePerfection.com. Okay, so you bought from like, the trusted source. Um, so OSSC stands yeah. for Open Source Scan Converter. Uh, 
different websites will sell the OSSC and varying different configurations using different parts because it's an open source project. So I think you can get the OSSC um, if you, not even without all the bells and whistles. I think you can put one together for between 80 to 80 bucks to like 120 but i think to put it together or just to just to buy it as its own normal thing can be as an inexpensive as like 200 bucks which is half the price of what the frame meister was but i will say yeah that sounds a lot better yeah i will say this when i bought the frame meister it was at the time that the ossc was kind of new it was it was established in the people that knew how to do it what what with it what they do now um but like the appeal of the frame meister is you plug it in you plug your console in you plug into the tv maybe use the remote to find a zoom setting or a color profile you like and then like it does everything it works with every capture card it works flawlessly universally and that's what i wanted i was like yeah i'm i'm, I'm a streamer I have a shelf full of consoles here with a complex wiring setup coming from behind there to 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 switch boxes to 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 transcoders to to splitters. I want to eliminate as many dependencies as possible. So I was like, "All right, Framemeister, why not? I know it'll work. Why not?" Um, so I get it, and for four hundred bucks. F- the con- the competition at the time being the RetroTink was brand new. Like I don't even RetroTink might have not even been out yet. But uh, right, yeah. Like yeah. I got the FrameMeister before the OSSC was out, and then I got the OSSC before the yeah. RetroTink was out. And that's the thing. So I I got them. I got these devices before there was competition yeah. for them. And so and that's kind of what I was getting at. But, was but the that thing with the RetroTink is I they're two X. They're not. They don't go all the way up to 1080p like most people will want. Right, but your TV will handle it a lot better. It will, better. it will. Uh, so, yeah, because what I was talking about earlier where TVs don't know what 240p is, they do know what 480p is. And so that's what the RetroTINK uh, accomplishes. And so, and that, that's what I was ultimately getting at, is like, I at this point, I wouldn't really recommend a FrameMeister or an OSSC. Nah. Uh, I would recommend a RetroTINK because they're they're way they're they're cheap and uh and and super uh just just simple in what they do so they're they're fast as far as the like latency goes uh they're on the ossc side of having like no latency like the like the frame meister has and then that's the last point is that your tv knows what 480p is so even though it's only even though like the RetroTINK 2x is only doubling the line count and you're still getting only a 480p image on your maybe 1080 tv uh your tv actually knows what to do with 480p and it will it'll upscale it pretty nicely pretty quickly and you won't really have problems um yeah, but yeah thing, if you want like the super mm-hmm. my thing was just that i was like you know Again, we're streamers, so I wanted to get 1080p for people who want to see 1080p. Well, that's the thing now, though, is that so, speaking of RetroTINK, very soon there is going to be, uh, the the guy who makes it, Mike Chi, is uh, coming out with a, what he's calling the RetroTINK 5X, and that will do 1080p. Um, And, you know, I I don't want to speak too soon. I, like, I'm... I'm really excited for it because it seems like 
it's going to be the best of both worlds. As in, it seems like it's a device that's going to spit out a really clean 1080p image that's going to be compatible with everything and super sharp looking, but also has, like, crazy good compatibility. Uh, and, man, Voltar's got, like, a prototype one, you know, that he keeps, like, showing off, wink, wink, nudge, nudge on his stream, and it's got, like, auto-phase capabilities where you know what i was talking remember what i was saying before about like tweaking and fine-tuning the ossc and it's really frustrating you can never get anything to look yeah. right this thing it was like he was he was showing castlevania and it was upscaled and it looked nice but it, it was like generic upscaled you know where where there was just the tiniest little bit of blurriness to like between the lines with the interpolation and all that um and he hits one button, seemingly, and it just, like, auto-phases and gets it looking like a frame meister. Oh. Like, the device on its own was does the frame meister nice. thing of, like, getting it to be razor sharp. And, uh, yeah. That's pretty badass. So, I will, I'll be getting a RetroTink 5X as soon as I can, and I'll, I'll let you guys know how it is. I'm, uh, but it, it, yeah, I'm thinking about getting one myself to replace my Frame Meister. Um, the, the thing that kind of irks me, though, is that 5X, that's, that's, the, that's what everyone wants. That's the goal. 5X 240P is not 1080 it's actually 1200. Yeah. So right. you're, you have 180 lines that you're missing here. Um, I divide them evenly, I guess horizontally, top and bottom of the screen, use what would be under scan, safe to eliminate 90, uh, 90 lines from top and bottom, I assume. I am a little bit more of a purist. I kind of would really prefer. Um, like, like, see, 720p, I actually stream in 720p because I upscale to 720p. And the reason I upscale to 720p is 720p is, what's it, 4x, I believe, I want to say? So 240 well, times two, 4? It's 240p times oh, 3. It's 3, yeah, because 4 is 960. There we go. Yeah, so 720p is 3x. It is an even integer scale, which means when I display 720p, I'm displaying all of the exact image that the console is transmitting. And that means if I want to do a scanline filter, it will be properly integer scaled with the resolution that I'm canvas scaling with OBS. So I'll be over here on the right side of the screen taking up, you know, camera, chat, yada, yada. Over here is an exact 4 by 3 replica of the original signal, 3X'd. So that means... You put scan lines on, you have scan lines that miraculously now don't look like shit like they do in almost every other like modern retro game or port to you know that such and such. I I hate I hate scan line filters generally, but if I I want if I want to do them, I want them to look good, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? Is that that that's what's kind of frustrating about how they did TVs in general, is that. 1080p is uh, is four and a half times 240. Yep. So what they really should have done was they should have gone to 960, 
because 960 is four times 240p. It's also perfectly double 480p. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that's super annoying. I've been thinking about changing my OBS canvas to 960 so that I can double 480p and quadruple 240p uh, neatly. But so that'd you know, be we'll that, see. that'd I'll, be 1440 uh, on the horizontal scale, then, right? You know, it's, it's, I, I I haven't looked that far into it, but yeah, it might be. It's 1440 by 960. That's the resolution. Yeah. yeah. Well, ni- 960 is the vertical that I yeah, was going yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. I was I was calculating 360 times four rather than 240 times four. Oh yeah. So, uh, one thing that I'll say, though, about the idea of cutting off a little bit of the top and bottom is that my TV does that. Uh, Like, when you play games on a CRT, a lot of the time you are actually missing a a few lines off the top and the bottom. I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah, so like I don't mind it. When when I used the when I used the frame meister, I actually had it zoom in a little bit and and cut off a little bit of the top and the bottom because if you look at all 200 uh it, it's not actually yeah, all 240 lines mm-hmm. of of NES, let's say you're playing Mario, you know how there's two bricks worth of of ground yeah. in the out, outdoor you'll level see below them. There is yeah, there is one pixel on the bottom of sky <laughs> under the ground, and it drove me fucking nuts. So, you know, for that, I just, I, uh, yeah, I zoomed in just a tad, cut off a, about as much as the TV cuts off, and, and called that And good. that's something the Frame Meister does that you really can't get with the Retro Ting. The Frame Meister has zoom capabilities to make uh, 1080p look perfect. Um yeah, but that's what you were saying about 5x though. Is that if it does do a 5x scale, you might end up with a little bit cut off the top and yeah. the bottom, and maybe, maybe that'll line up to about what you're expecting. So here, here's 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 my problem. Once I saw it, I don't care how ugly it was. Once I saw it, I never wanted to unsee it again because it was like information that. I know I'm not necessarily intended to see, but the nature of CRTs being different model to model, you might see. And there are some details, mm-hmm. like especially in Mario, you mentioned where, uh, hey, I'm in the sewer level of World 1, Level 2, or whatever it is, I guess. Uh, and, oh, oh, what's this? I, I'm big. I can hit this brick up here. I'm now on top of the level running through where text would normally be. And also maybe some overscan, you know? You'd, you'd see you'd, it's like a little bit of an Easter egg. You're, you're out of bounds of the level, um, which coincidentally was like my favorite mm-hmm. pastime to do in, like, Halo. <laughs> I, loved, I loved breaking the game like that. Anyway, um, with Sega Genesis, it's even worse. So you may see a little bit of pixel of, uh, or one line of sky, but in Sega Genesis, they used those bottom... Well, first of all, Sega Genesis is not 240p. It's like 256 or something. But they used all that extra resolution at the bottom for uh, sync data. So there's like a bunch of periods that will show up at the very bottom of the of the display feed. And there'll be different colors shifting depending on what's happening in the scene above. And it'll be going across the screen or back all the way to the start of the screen and back over. And it's like it's just data that the game is like 
<laughs> blast processing through to, to give you the color you're seeing. But it's like now that I see that, I want to I want to be the one who gets to cut off what 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 gets cut off. You know, I don't want something doing that for me. So I love the Frame Meister for that. Sure. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone, but that data that you're talking about that you can see, um, I think that is also why if you've ever, you know, it, when, when you play Super Mario Bros. 3, you know how the bottom chunk of the HUD, well, the bottom chunk of the screen is HUD, right? It's like it's like your, your panel of information, yeah. but on the very top row of pixels of it, it, there's like this weird bit of like shit, just like <laughs> different color. There's like a line of colors that kind of grows and goes back and stuff, and it's just kind of blinking colors and stuff. And it looks like it's just bad H- video. How much data shit or is there, I, would you say? Uh, I would say it's about one or two pixels tall and is like, I don't know, up up to 80 pixels wide. But you know it moves that around. Sounds a like a whole. Bit. Anyway, <laughs> point is, uh, I think I think that's what that is. Also, that's like a little bit of CPU instructions happening in the middle of the frame being drawn. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 just cool to see what what uh, what how consoles did things differently, and also I think game to game too, depending on. But uh, well, we, you we, know, we one day I was messing with capturing my NES and like. And like putting different uh, resolutions into my capture card and stuff to play show the NES at, and one of them, I swear I could like see the character table in the capture, like it was like big box and the game was in the top left, and then in the top right there was just like all of the sprites that were that were Being used, drawn. and I. Yeah, and it was it was very bizarre. Um, I don't know. It sounds like I'm making it up, probably, <laughs> but it it was real weird. And I, I, you know, maybe now that I know more about stuff, I should try to get it to do that again and and analyze it a little That'd further. Be cool to see. Have you thought about making a TikTok? <laughs> 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 I'm actually thinking about doing um, shorts uh, for YouTube via tiktok doing stuff like uh analog video education stuff so if you're dude i oh my god all right so i have one experience with tiktok ever so you ever have that thing where you're scrolling through twitter and then there's a video (laughs) that it that comes up and you're like i'm gonna watch this video however the fucking thing has already been auto-playing but muted so you have to like go to the video, then it's and and then it unmutes. But now you're seven seconds into it, so you have to pause it and rewind it and then play it. And now you're finally watching this video. It drives me fucking insane. And God, I wish that you could just universally turn autoplay off of everything ever. I agree with that. So, I was gonna say TikTok does TikTok doesn't do that, but if you're problem is with autoplay then yeah it's all autoplay so i had this problem with tiktok where one time someone posted a video of tiktok that i was actually interested in watching so i go to it same issue we're seven seconds into the video now now that i can finally hear it but you can't pause it and restart it there's no 
Why are you? you, you, you why, how <laughs> you I was scroll back up and then you scroll back down to the video. You it, you don't lose it like it's a social media feed where if you, if you're looking at it on Twitter and then something happens and it auto refreshes and it's gone. It doesn't happen on TikTok. So I think I was watching it in. I don't remember. It was it was a Twitter post and That's I why, yeah. clicked on it. And it brought me. I think it brought me to TikTok, though. TikTok's website but sucks. Yeah. It's just like Instagram. It's I, terrible. Well, that that was yeah. my issue then. Was that yeah? So now, so it's like I had the same problem where it's starting me in the middle of the video without the option to rewind <laughs> it. So it's like, what you're expecting me to watch the second half of this video and then watch the like? Then now that I've seen the ending, have it restart and now i'm gonna watch the whole thing like it's i was oh, hoping we'd have this God. discussion someday on this podcast like man so i watch a lot of youtube on nicole's tv um you know she has an lg tv that has a youtube a app on it and TV, i'm though. really in yeah. yeah i'm really impressed by the youtube app it works very very well However, they've added autoplaying to it, where now when you're when you're just kind of scrolling through like the suggested videos, God for fucking forbid you stop on one of those videos to think about it for a couple seconds because it just starts <laughs> playing it like at Netflix, you. Netflix, Netflix, uh, it drives oh, me crazy, especially when it God, blasts it's you the with worst. the volume and everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty bad. Um. Yeah, it's TikTok is one of those things that you just have to be on your phone for, unfortunately. Uh, well, anyway, I was so, just going to say, follow me on TikTok if you're interested in the weird, obscure, analog video topics we're talking right now. Sometimes I just want to sit on a thing for a second and like look at the thumbnail, read the read the title, and then maybe while I have that one selected, I might read a couple video I might read a couple videos ahead you know what I mean like you can see like three or four videos on screen at once and I kind of read all of them you know and then I skip a couple and that kind of thing um but what the autoplay does is it makes me not watch anything because I don't have time to sit there and consider instead I'm forced to keep on advancing in order to avoid the autoplays. So now I don't have enough time to personally consider and commit to watch to any of these videos because they're already gone because I didn't want them to autoplay. <laughs> and then I just didn't watch anything. And On YouTube, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah it's, it's, I've had oh that too. God, I, I don't it. use the watch later function because of that because um, I know it'll just happen one day without me knowing. Coincidentally... The one place where I wish I didn't have the issue that I have everywhere else with Netflix. Are you still watching? Man, fuck off. Of course oh, I'm yeah. still watching. On YouTube, uh, <laughs> who the fuck knows if I'm watching, to be honest. Um, that's just the mm-hmm. nature of YouTube. People watch it while they do other stuff because they want to listen to it or do what have you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but <laughs> so... I was t- damn. We went we went off topic here. <laughs> Anyways, CRTs are inconvenient, and they're gonna suck more and yeah. more to own over time. Yeah, but man, they are worth it. And uh, and you know if um 
if you are like into tinkering with stuff and all that kind of thing, uh, then you know, like I am, then you'll enjoy some of the inconvenience that comes with it, you know? One question I get asked a lot, you know, is like, why don't you just emulate, um, you know? And, uh, with, with Because of, like, all of the shit that I, I go through to, to um, get hardware working, but the simplest answer is that I enjoy it. I just, I like having to, you know open up the system and, and do shit to the inside of it you know i think that's really fun i think uh, it's more than i that, do though, have something i think it's like when i when people ask why don't you emulate it my 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 thought with the hardware is well because i didn't emulate as a kid that's not the way i love doing it yeah oh yeah there's a lot yeah. of reasons i mean really like the actual main reason is that i just enjoy using the physical mm, hardware you know like the best example to me is the GameCube. That's like the most fit that like the the tactile feeling of operating the GameCube I think is like the best of the all The ball systems. bearings the, on the inner disc ring when you snap that disc oh, on is yeah, to dude. die for. <laughs> and when you want to take a disc you out just... and you have and you push the, the button, button on the spindle and it pops the disc off. It's so it's good. The... And like the the lid on the disc tray has like a really satisfying clunk when you put it down. The buttons are just the right size, and you know they go down just the right. And I'm gonna jizz over the reset the button, button one more time here because I, I I I said before I loved it because it's a software reset. The software reset mm -hmm. button has a different tactile feel than the power button or the eject button. Eject button, you're gonna feel. Clink, little detent, and then the lid opens up. The power button's going to go down, yep. click, and then you're in. It's in. The button is loose now. You can press the button in place. It's loose. The power's on. You can feel it on. The reset button is just this tiny, soft little thing you can basically breathe on with your with your pinky, and it's just in, and then whoo, software's reset. No, 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 mm -hmm. no physical feel to it. So it's like they subconsciously programmed into your brain. The one you don't feel is uh, all the electric electric wizardry on your screen right now. <laughs> yep, and also the power LED is orange, which is unconventional and great. Not blue. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I mean your face. That that's. So yeah, that's like the main reason, right? Is I I like holding the cartridges and the controller, and I enjoy using the system, you know. Um, but yeah, then also like it enables you to use the CRT you want, and that's good. And then yeah, the oh I <coughs> oh there it is. Um, so then the other thing though that I was saying before was that when something does happen where, oh, I need to clean the system or, you know, this system needs an RGB mod, I just enjoy doing Same. that, you know, it's not a hassle for me. I think it's fun. Well, I haven't done an RGB mod yet, but I want to. I had one real quick thing that you mentioned earlier that I wanted to ask you Let's about. So you mentioned that rollback is the best netcode for fighting games. Mm -hmm. uh, I recently heard, well, recently someone actually made an online mode for Super Smash Bros. Melee that uses rollback netcode, and it's all the Project rage. G? So Melee is, is uh, I don't know what the name of it is, but 
Melee is back, and people are playing it online now, and that's really sweet. But my question is, what the fuck is rollback netcode? What does that mean, and what's the other kind of netcode that people don't so, like? So I don't think there was so much of a distinguishment between different kinds of netcodes before. Um, we call it rollback um, because what happens is the... I'm not the best at explaining this, but I guess it's easier to first explain the other kind of netcode that's existed for a long time called delay-based netcode, which means, okay, um, my connection is this fast, their connection is this fast. All the inputs will be input, and uh, they will be read at the time of input, and then processed, and then output once you know the time are the times are synced in with each other on each player's connection. So basically, if you have a slightly lower quality connection, um, you will, depending on the kind of netcode, like early on, early on, like you'd see like people teleporting around a map in a first-person shooter game, that kind of thing. They're delaying, so the server's catching up with the server data that it is giving and giving it to you in real time. But you can see chunks where it's just missing, which makes the person teleport uh in delay based netcode for fighting games when there is lag to to catch up to with the inputs of the other player the game stops it freezes the frames just do, so do, do, yeah do, do, and then like that's like what nintendo always does and that's like what smash ultimate yeah. does is yeah the match just starts to starts to slideshow yeah. and go in slow motion so rollback yeah. netcode um if uh in my uninformed uh, an uninformed explanation uh i would say is instead of waiting for the connection of the opponent to catch up it has a way of interpreting just the inputs i think that were put in at a certain time and instead of just like maybe reading all of the game data at once it may I, god i'm gonna butcher this i'm sure i'm wrong about this but like it reads just the inputs and then when an event happens where you can tell something clearly lagged the game actually rolls you back a couple milliseconds or a couple frames uh usually in the best frames the, the best rollback frames you can get is like between one to two frames and when i say frames i'm talking about like you know traditional frames like one and one sixtieth of a second is one frame um which i believe is 17 milliseconds like we said earlier so you know one to two frames or like fightcade will do you can set it to be automatic and it adjusts so like there's some games where it's like hey you want to you want to play like uh that fucking guilty gear i think does this where it's like i'll set my frame my rollback frames to two and you can set yours to five because you're you you're much farther away from me so you're, you're gonna need a little bit more of a handicap but if i don't set mine to five then we're gonna be at a, a weird disadvantage i want to say um or the the gameplay will get weird and 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 kind of even exhibit delay i think if i want to say yeah yeah the, it's interesting because like just on paper the way that you just explained it where the game might have to you know roll back a couple frames that sounds bad well, it, it sounds bad like, but like it's only for the instances where uh there is definite delay and it's only using those couple of frames of, of data, those couple of 
instances of 17 milliseconds as opposed to show stopping the entire game for like what could be an actual full second or 120 frames as opposed to just one or Mm -hmm. two frames so in a fighting game where it's high action even though you'll still experience a little bit of lag here and there it's not going to be nowhere near as game breaking and uh, in action breaking and and going to throw you off your rhythm and and all that sort of thing it's just much much better and faster it it keeps the fast pace of the game still going um okay yeah i think that's the big thing Um, cause that's the thing, like with smash ultimate, everyone hates the, the show stopping mm-hmm. of the leg. And then with this new melee homebrew thing, everyone loves that it stays in action the yeah. whole time. Absolutely. That's, that, that's exactly essentially what rollback does. Hmm. Well, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess a reason to not own a CRT is you're future proofed. <laughs> If you don't mind an upscaler, if if you try one and you like it and you think you're you're fine without a CRT, you're probably going to be saving a g- more money in the long run, more hassle. Uh you can rearrange your living room a lot more freely. Uh <laughs> Yeah, like definitely and l- like I was saying earlier, I, I I think that the viability of upscaling old consoles to work on modern displays is going to just keep getting better. So over time, I think it'll be it'll be. Better. I think that's going to be community but, uh, driven more than anything, yeah. though. I don't think a single company For is sure. going to go, "Hey, people want to play their NES on our 8K TV. What are we going to do? Uh, pff, fuck them. <laughs> we make too much money to yeah, worry yeah. about them." <laughs> yeah, that's why I feel like there needs to be some kind of business deal that's made at some point, you know. But you're right, though, that it would be really expensive. It's going to be all um, open source. They might not yeah, be. it's going to be all open source uh, electronics engineers on Twitter getting together and making shit like the retro tank that's going to make it viable for the future, I think. But mm-hmm. uh, no matter which way you look at it, little boxes like this are going to be a lot easier than trying to figure out why your crt now no longer displays green (laughs) or or why it's the image is twisted (laughs) oh yeah or like it 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 warps as it goes by and that kind of stuff yeah yeah yeah, so it's all subjective but so i I think i'm gonna be crt until it literally just bankrupts me i think (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i think what's likely going to happen for me is i'm going to get into that idea of like modding uh tvs you know modding in rgb capability and that kind of stuff uh i tried it once and i ruined the tv <gasps> i didn't know you um, ruined it i didn't have an so, update from that what happened yeah uh i ruined it um i was an idiot and uh there was part of the when i was disassembling the tube there was part where I could not fucking figure out how to unplug this certain cable Wait. from it to be able to remove it from the Why'd board. Why did you have you know? to disassemble the tube? Well, not like the tube oh. itself, but like the tube had a, had a circuit board on the back of it that was connected with ribbon cables to the motherboard, right? And I was trying to get it out of there so I could just work with the motherboard, right? Okay. And I could not fucking figure out how to unplug it. Uh, and so I desoldered it from the tube circuit board side, and I really, really should have desoldered the motherboard (laughs) side because it was not going back in. Oh, no. Um, so, yeah. So I, I... 
I ruined the TV trying to do it. But hey, next time, maybe. I <laughs> don't think you ruined it. I think you made a happy little accident. I think what you did was you presented a learning opportunity for yourself in the near future to fix your mistake and get that TV working again. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's worth it. We will we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got like, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Have you, have you been playing a game you want to talk about? Oh, or or is there outside a of fighting game? games? I, I don't know. Beavis and if you're the fighting game guy, what what for Super Nintendo or Genesis? Genesis? Yeah, I was dicking yeah. around the uh, one where you're trying to get Guar tickets. Yep. yep, that's so weird. I was literally thinking about that game as I showered today. <laughs> I was thinking about remember that Beavis and Butthead game where they're trying to get Guar tickets. What a great premise for it a game. It is a great. Premise. Too bad though that like. Too bad that I remember the game itself not being super it's good. Not. Like they didn't really know what to do with it from a make gameplay perspective. Sorry, now I'm reviewing it for you. No, Go ahead. No, you're pretty much on track. Like I, I the whole reason I did it was, um, well, since we're doing a CRT podcast today, uh, I have an Apple uh, Studio Display CRT, 17 inch, looks great. 1600 by 1200, the full five acts of four by three content. Um, and, uh, they're famous for their flyback transformers going. And I was testing the CRT, um, not using my C- PC connection that night. I was using the retro tank because, um, I want to, what I, what I do is I take my retro gaming setup, RGB, SCART, that's how it runs. Um, and I split the signal. Normally it goes to the frame meister for stream. And then the other one goes to a CRT, but I'm using this CRT right now. So I bought a RetroTINK 2X SCART. So it has the SCART input for the other, the CRT signal split side of it, which I get 480p out of. And I take this and I have a, an HDMI to VGA connector adapter that I got off Amazon. And I plug that into the PC CRT. And this PC CRT is capable of 480p uh, resolution. It's pretty good, actually. Um, You see, it's weird. 480p with scan lines is not something I think most people are used to seeing because we had 480i on consumer sets, and that's if you even notice it. Um, 480p scan lines are much smaller. So. It's like you're looking at your retro game with, with accurate, real scan lines, um, but they don't. The game doesn't look right. It's like you're, you have half scan lines, if that makes sense. Um, but anyway, the retro tank can put a scan line filter in there. It's just that with the way that it runs 480p, it, it looks too dark, and this is a, a serious flaw in retro tank's design, in my opinion. But it's just making the thing easy to use, so I get it. But I want the ability to adjust scan lines. Anyway. Side gripe aside, um, I've been using the, the PC CRT to make sure that the flyback transformer is indeed the problem and it wasn't the power I was feeding it. <sighs> All that to say, I was playing Beavis and Butthead through my Sega Genesis on, the, on this CRT monitor. It still flicked some because the, this transformer is going to. But premise of the game, great. Uh, I love that they're going to get Guar tickets. I love that you see Guar right in the beginning of the of the game uh, a little bit. And then the characters are not pre- all present right in the beginning, but all the like environments of the show, Beavis and Butthead, are, are kind of there. Like you go to uh, 
God damn it. See, I'm, I wasn't a Beavis and Butthead fan as a kid because I wasn't allowed to watch it. But it was like their burger joint that they worked at. You go there and you figure out like it's it's like a point and click adventure game that's really hard. Like a lot of those can tend to be. So you go to work because uh, you need money. You figure out you need money. You got to go to work because you need guar tickets. You go to work. There's some asshole uh, yelling at the counter because nobody's in there because both of you are late to work. No one else works there, apparently. <laughs> and this guy who's in there, funnily enough, when no one's in there, so someone didn't lock up the night before, uh, he's just screaming at, he's just like screaming, I want service. And he's like, it's like, okay, chill, dude. You go in the back to the fries and uh, you, you, you you put the fries in the fry basket and you start deep frying the shit and you, you get the, you, you butthead grabs a cup and then Beavis is like, it's like, these fries are missing something. And so you go out back, you figure out the only way to advance the game is to go into an area which you may have not even known existed yet. You just have to go and keep going to another part of the screen. And then you go to the back of the restaurant where there's a dumpster and you're like, what the fuck? Why do I, what's out here? You don't know. You, rats attack you on the ground. They hurt you. So you're busy trying to not get in fuck, getting fucked over by the rats on the ground. And by the way, on the other scene, there's a skateboard that just gets launched at you and a dickhead shooting you with a, with a, with a, with a little pellet gun. Um, you got to avoid all this so to get to the dumpster. Real quick. You said it's like a point and click adventure, but you're, you're, you're having to walk and jump and dodge things, right? <laughs> Exactly. It has the challenges and puzzle solving of a point and click with like beat 'em up controls. Yeah. Gotcha. So you go to the dumpster and then you find out if you look really closely, there's a dead rat in the in the dumpster, not the live rats attacking you. So you grab the dead rat, you go back in, you throw the dead rat in the oil and with the fries, and then you, you get the dead rat with the fries, you put it in the box, and then you give it to the guy and he's like, Thank you. I've been waiting for hours, and he walks out and like you, you, you watch him. I think take a, take a bite out of a dead rat and shit. And uh, this this took me like two hours to figure out. <laughs> that was like two minutes of me explaining the plot, and that's only the beginning of the game. And holy shit, you have access. You pick up the remote control because this this is. Okay, you know how games will have a hub world? Like Crash Bandicoot 3 has the hub world, and you choose, oh, I want to go to that world now and go do those challenges. That 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 happens in Beavis and Butthead. It's the living room with the TV. You choose where you want to go based on the TV. So right away, you have access to every level in the game with all the mobs being difficult as further as you go on. But, you know, you, you soon discover, like, well, you can't be in this area yet. You don't have X item or something, so you have to go back. But it's like you have access to all that, but no knowledge of anything telling you or hinting at where you really need to be. Unless you pay super close attention. <laughs> Which, gotcha, if you're gotcha. streaming, you usually aren't because people are talking to you too. Yeah, that it's it's a lot harder to play games when you're also like trying to pay attention to chat yeah. and all that. Um, yeah, you know, I watched Beavis and Butthead do America recently <laughs> for the, like, the first time. It it's was a good great. movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was super <laughs> funny. I, like, it was way funnier than I was And that expecting. was my first introduction to um, Beavis and Butthead, actually. I had never watched the show, because we didn't have cable when I was a kid. I mean, it was kind of really expensive where we were, Yeah. So. 
Yeah, our family didn't have cable, but my grandpa did. And every once in a while at my grandpa's house, Beavis and Butthead would be on the TV. And I'd be able to watch it until an adult came downstairs and saw that I was watching My it, mom yeah. was just weird. Like, she was <laughs> like, no, you cannot watch Beavis and Butthead. But, like, she would say that at the same point in the time when I, we would be going to Hollywood Video before Blockbuster to rent... And and she let me rent, and this is my introduction to this. She let me rent the tapes of the different seasons of South Park, and I thought that was like mm. mind-blowingly funny at eight years old, way way oh, yeah. inappropriate for an eight-year-old to watch. And of course, like a lot of the humor went over my head. But even as an eight-year-old kid, this shit was still funny as fuck. Um, but no beavers and butthead. Yeah. <laughs> Right, it's funny how like that changed as you as you grow up. Uh, the way that like, um, right, like my my parents wouldn't let me watch Beavis and Butthead or South Park. They they wouldn't even let me watch Ren and Stimpy. Uh, you know, but the thing was when we were at our grandparents' house and all the adults were upstairs, taught you know just visiting, and us kids were downstairs and there was cable. You know, we'd we'd watch some South Park or some or some Beavis and Butthead. Um, and the funny thing about South Park was, yeah, like when you're a kid, it's just the funniest thing ever when Kenny dies, <laughs> yeah. right? And that's what the kids are talking about at school. How did, oh, the new South Park, how'd Kenny die, you know? And like, that's what's important and that's what's funny. Uh, but then when you get older and then you rewatch some of the old stuff, it's like, man, th- this show is actually really funny. Uh, and like from an adult perspective, it's, it's got, it's like really well written, um, and Beavis and Butthead has, a, a at least like, I haven't watched much of the show in a long time, but at least the movie Beavis and Butthead do America. I think it's just Mike Judge. Also, Mike Judge like, is just fucking, he's yeah. so talented when it comes to comedy. Totally. That's, that's what I was getting at is that like, yeah, as an adult, you watch that movie and, and it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> and yeah, I, Mike Mike judge is so good at that kind of thing. Um, you know, like with idiocracy and King of the Hill. I forgot he, he did idiocracy. Got, oh man. That's yeah. <laughs> he's just, he's just got such a good, uh, like what sense yeah. of like writing for, People with a different like perspective on life, you know. It's, it's I would good agree. Stuff. Um, I I I don't know if I. I think Boomhauer from King of the Hill is probably top ten, one of the best cartoon characters of all time. Is he's your favorite uh, King of the Hill character? Not my favorite King of the Hill character, but just as a cartoon character, one of the funniest of all time as a concept. Oh, um, okay. It's funny that you were you yeah. were talking about South Park. It was like how. Kenny dying was the funniest shit as a kid when like it, when I grew up and watched it later on I was like man this is like this is the chore they have to do this every every part of the episode it's like so every by the point of which I just, by that point I was just like all right <laughs> but you know there's there's other shit about it that was just like way over my head as a kid yeah right like the uh, yeah south park has like a ton of social yeah. and political commentary and stuff that like as a kid you think is funny just because they're cartoon characters that are swearing yeah. and there's like violence and stuff you know but then as an adult like there's a, a layer there to appreciate that's really great i find um, so many cartoons yeah. just so much better and so much funnier as an adult by the way is that the same with you like i yeah. i love cartoons more as an adult now than ever for sure. Like, when I was a kid, I didn't even like King of yeah, the Hill. Yeah, me either. Because, like, 
Um, like I, when I was like a, a kid, kid, like in like kindergarten and first grade, I lived in a more like urban environment. Um, and so it was like the idea of like country folk and rednecks and stuff was like super <laughs> un uncool. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so like, um, and, and so when I saw King of the, and you know, we, we moved after that, but it's still that mentality stuck with me for a long time. Uh, and so like when I saw King of the Hill as a kid, I was just like, ah, it's just redneck stuff. I hate it, you know? And I didn't even like it. Um, but yeah, now you watch it and it, I, I, the, sh it's hilarious. The show, it's like, I need to watch more of it. Cause it's, it's one of my, it, like from the few episodes that I kind of watched recently, I feel like it could be one of my favorite shows if I, if I watched yeah, more it's, of it. It's, there's, there's definitely like. When I was a kid, I, I just didn't get it. Like, kind of like what you're saying is like, I felt like it was like, this was the show for the kids that called themselves rednecks or like, you know, the the 40 year old dad who just works a blue collar job. That's his show. And it's like, you know, I wasn't really the target audience of that at the time. Um, so it didn't really get to me. But like now, as I see it as adult, as an adult, there's, there's, there's just so much overhead, like there's so much like stuff being commented about without being said in that show. Um, even just little mu musical cues right. will, will, will push you to a mood that you may not have expected to be in with a scene that's they're exactly writing up. And yeah, and the thing, the biggest thing is that I just didn't have a sense of irony yeah, when I was a kid. So like when Hank Hill is like super conservative and boo, like like af afraid of of things, right? Like, as a kid, I just took it at face value and didn't like it him, yeah. you know? But now it's like, wait, that's the joke. Yeah. <laughs> that's the joke is that people are like this and they think this, you know? And, uh, yeah, so, you know, um, it's good, it's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think uh, what, <laughs> there was, um, I think there was one cartoon character in King of the Hill. I don't think it was Hank, but uh, they, they <laughs> someone copied the joke about, when uh, that Jeff Sessions character was still in office trying to make like weed illegal or something like, so I think the onion made an article is like he had someone attempted suicide by lighting up a uh, lighting up a joint or something. And I th I'm pretty sure that came from King of the Hill where I think uh, it was Hank. No, not Hank. It was fuck. It actually might've been uh, Mr. Anderson. Is that his name? Which is from Beavis and Butthead who the voice of Hank Hill yeah. is actually based off of might've been him actually. <laughs> I don't know. That's a funny fucking character, by the way, because he's proto Hank Hill, and you can see so yeah. much Hank Hill in him. But there's so much more that's just like you could tell this guy is just trying to fight to be normal, but you could, he got picked on real bad as a kid or something like that, and like he's still just completely oblivious to everything going on. And I mean, like, how have you? <laughs> how do you explain a character who says like? You them boys what been whacking in my tool shed or some shit like were well, you been jacking off in my tool shed? <laughs> yeah. Dude, the, <laughs> I can see why my mom didn't want me to watch that show, but yeah. The, the game though is like ugh. I don't know about is Super Nintendo different? Did was it a different version on Super Nintendo? I don't I don't even honestly remember if it if it was on Super Nintendo. I just couldn't remember. I uh I 
I played it really briefly when I was a kid, and I don't remember which system. I want to say there's a couple franchises that like were made as, as completely different games um, for the same title. Like Jurassic Park on Sega Genesis is different than Jurassic Park on Super Nintendo is different than Jurassic right. Park on Game Boy. They're all different games, um, but they're all Jurassic Park. Same artwork for the for the cover, everything. I didn't think uh, uh, fucking uh, son of a bitch. <laughs> the game I was just talking about fell into that category. Beavis, Beavis and Butthead. Head. I yeah, I'm not sure. Because you said uh, you, you mentioned like is is that the one where they're getting guar tickets? I. I I assume there's more than one Beavis and Butt Butthead, but I didn't know if you meant it was like a different version. Oh, I don't know. I just remember playing the Beavis and Butthead game when I was younger, and that that was the premise. Yeah, um, we have, we we're, we have Flex in our live chat here saying uh, it's like Aladdin kind of. It's 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 on both systems, but the games are different because like how Disney licensed it. So I guess it's like MTV licensed it a certain way. Sure, sure. Well, yeah. Well, I've been playing Resident Evil Code oh, Veronica. Yeah, I've seen that. Spe- yeah, specifically Code Veronica X for uh, for GameCube is the is the version I'm playing because I I love GameCube. Um, well, that's the director's and, uh, cut. That's what the X is for, right? That's the the definitive version. I, yeah, I I'm not actually totally sure what the what the differences are and stuff, but yeah, it's right. It's Code Veronica. Do you know X. how Sonic Adventure um, uh, became Sonic Adventure DX on GameCube? I'm pretty sure it's the same simil- situation because Code Veronica was Dreamcast. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, dude, it's real good. I love the old school Resident Evil style of like tank controls and fixed camera angles and all that you know you open your inventory and you've got eight or ten slots of of inventory space you know uh ink ribbons for a a a fixed amount of saves that you can make and all that kind of stuff so it's it's all those things just like resident evil 1 2 and 3 were because uh, this is the next one, I believe. After Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3, I think Code Veronica was the before next four. one. And, yeah. um, before 4, before 0? I don't remember when 0 came I've out either. I've never been into Resident um, Evil. I wish I was. I, I tried playing the remake on PS4 of the very first game, and I, I thought it was yeah. very beautiful. Loved it, but like it just didn't. Mm-hmm. The pace of that game just made it so I, it just did not hold my attention. Yeah, I wonder if you'd like the PS1 version really? more. Uh because well, the reason I say that is because the the remake is really 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 good. Um but the pacing is a little bit slower, I think. Like like there's a little bit more going on at the start of it that kind of confuses you a little bit more, I think. The PS1 version has just like a couple less rooms and like one less connecting corridor in the mansion and the combat is a little bit simpler you know and so being that you might be able to kind of get your head around like what it is you're actually doing maybe you'd like it more um but yeah uh re1 is absolutely not optional (laughs) um that game is amazing and everyone has to play it uh, and then yeah, two and three, real good, and uh, a lot of most people like two more than one. I've heard that. Um, I 
I can see it. I totally understand why. I kind of like two or, or one a little bit more just because of that little bit of simplicity that it has, uh, you know, versus two. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, you know, they're both, they're both absolutely must plays. I have, I have, uh, a, but oh, anyway, sorry. so then, uh, well then there's code Veronica and it, it is, it still has all that shit, the tank controls and the fixed camera angles and the inventory and the ink ribbons and all that shit that I love, but it's no longer pre-rendered backgrounds. Like, that's the whole thing about the PS1 games is that it had these still shot camera shots that were really, like, cool, you know? I loved the the specific camera angles that they used. Um, but in the... in in But they're pre-rendered is the thing, and that's why they were able to, like, yeah, look so good, right? Yeah, because with the PS1, you're, if they were textured backgrounds, they'd be all jittery like the PS1 does. Uh, if the camera was moving, yeah. yeah. Um, but mostly it's just that, like, there's too many models and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the desk with, like, all the papers on it and all the all the little decorations all over the place. They wouldn't be able to have that much clutter if they were rendering it in real time, you know? So what that means... If you don't know about pre-rendering, what it means is that, basically, they made these environments on a computer in 3D, right? And then instead of putting those 3D environments into the game that wouldn't have been able to render them... Uh, fast enough. Instead, they just basically textured it and lit it all nicely as well as they could do on a computer in 1996 or whatever and then save that as a screenshot and then put the screenshot into the game. Uh, And so what you end up with is this still image that looks super nice and then you put 3D modeled characters on top of it, and those are 3D characters that move around, right? So they were able to get really nice-looking environments by doing that, but it meant that the camera can't move. So Code Veronica is like the same exact uh, style of game, but it's no longer pre-rendered, and the camera now moves. It's still fixed. Like, you don't have control over the camera, but now as you run across a room, instead of it changing angles six different times uh, to show you all of the different parts of the hallway that you're in, the camera will just just go with you, you know? Uh, and it's real nice. Um, you know, it, it, it gives you a very good sense of, like... Because w- one thing that can be kind of disorienting about the old fixed camera angles is, like, just getting a mental image of what the hell the shape of the room is that you're in, you know? Uh, because, like, it, all of the different angles are kind of disjointed. Uh, and, and, you know, so it, it can be a little tough. Uh, but I feel like the smooth camera kind of fixes that. Um, and, yeah, you know, I just I, I like how it... Uh, I like how it controls and feels and and you know the the puzzles are like you would expect from Resident Evil it's just a damn good sequel. However, the thing that like really stands out about this one from the others is the cutscenes are the fucking funniest things I've ever Accidentally seen. Accidentally or like I I mean I don't know, dude. It's the campiest shit I've ever seen. Like the, 
the first Resident Evil is super campy, but in a way where it's like the acting is kind of bad and like, uh, and there's a lot of tropes and that kind of thing, you know? And then the second one, they went more serious with it. Uh, and there's still a couple funny things about it, but for the most part, they went serious and they did a really good job of it, right? And then the third one went a little bit more action-y. Uh, while still having good atmosphere and still, you know, being horror and all that and, and being less campy than the first one, uh, it's a little bit more action-packed. Code Veronica, though, is like the characters are all so bizarre <laughs> and so animated and, and ridiculous. <laughs> like, okay, so you're playing as Claire, but you meet up with this guy Steve Burnside, I think his name is. And first of all, his voice is just oh, like, no. he's just got like the silliest fucking voice you've ever heard. And like, and just, but also just the way that they write him, like he, oh my God. One of the first things is like, is like, he says, you know, what's your name to Claire, right? And she says, Claire. And he goes, hmm, Claire, nice. You know, and it's like that's just night. What? what? Like, it's just, it's so just the just What's the nice. Remi- nice. Like, it's <laughs> it's like little things like that are so weird about the way that it's written, uh, but also just like outwardly silly. Also, like at some point, you give him like a pair of automatic guns to trade for the guns that he has because you need them for something. And he says something like, I'm going to go play with my new toys and then runs away, you know, and it's like that Can was I his line. He's po- <laughs> oh, like it's so fucking funny when you're playing it, you know? And, uh, but then everything else, though, is just, is super campy as well. The main villain is just, like, this outwardly, like, what do you, what do you call the people who are like, Yes, ma, well, since you came to my mansion. Uh, generic, you know, like, that kind of shit. rich person voice 002. <laughs> y- yeah. Like, that's your, that's, like, what the villain is like in the game, but then also they have, like, a second personality, sort of, that's of a woman, and so <laughs> then they're, like, switching between it's those him two. from Powerpuff Girls. And, uh, God, and then Wesker shows up, and he's got this, like, Wesker's always had the, yes, kind of voice, you know? So then he's in there, Chris. And, uh, oh my god, and, and, and fucking Wesker is, like, out of the Matrix for some reason, he's able to, like, dodge bullets and shoot across the room to dragon punch people, and, Hey, he uh, said dragon punch, like, just had to call it out. Oh, man, <laughs> the, like... It's like the the campiness and silliness of the games is just dialed up to 11. So, like, it's a really, like, it's not a scary game. It's fun, and they do some horror stuff really well, like Resident Evil has always done, where, like, when they want to do atmosphere, they can do it, you know? But, man... The cutscenes are just, like I've like every cutscene I'm laughing out <laughs> loud at it because it it's That's good so ridiculous. So it's is it like uh, the so yeah I'm having of, a uh, of the Resident Evil series. I guess so. I'm just having a great old. I'm having a grand old time with it. Uh, it's That's really good. fun. I like it a lot. My I would thing recommend is with it. Resident Evil is like 
Is 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 every game like a different universe? I don't think it is. I think it all ties in with each other. No. Like and then and then there's the yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the movies that looked like they weren't too good. Um I just Yeah, I don't really know anything the, about the, the movies. The whole Resident Evil thing everything I've ever seen about it just hasn't interested me anywhere near as much as like uh Konami's offering like Silent Hill. Like I've I love the Silent Hill movies, even though they're not great movies. The first one's the best of all of them, of course, but that was the one with the biggest budget. But I genuinely love the story and environment and everything of Silent Hill. Um, uh, but like, I, I think the games kind of like half tie into it. They introduce more characters and uh, explain why they're at Silent Hill and all this sort of th- stuff. And like the, the just it, it, all all in all, it seems way scarier to me and just like a cooler universe. So yeah. Unfortunately, the fucking price of Silent totally. Hill games is out the out the fucking wazoo too so i have only played silent hill 2 uh but what i can tell you from comparison to i've played resident evil 1 2 3 4 1 remake 2 remake i don't know probably some others um what i can tell you is silent hill for sure has uh like if you want atmosphere and like actual scary and also like better puzzles um that silent hill like Sweet. man silent hill 2's like like atmosphere uh and just overall creepiness and like uh yeah and what i just said and the puzzles and stuff all that was like mm, super good uh resident evil I think the gameplay itself is a little bit more fun, personally, I think. Like, like the act of, like, shooting the zombies and knifing them or, like, running around and dodging them. I think that kind of stuff feels a bit better in those. Uh, I like the puzzles in Resident Evil, and, and I like kind of the overall... It's, it's kind of hard to explain, but, like, so Resident Evil 1 had a really good setting to make a fun video game out of, where you're in a mansion, you know? So it's like you take the plate, emblem plate, off of over the fireplace, and then later in the game, on the other side of the mansion, there's, like, a divot that it fits in, uh, but, you know, first there's something other that you have to do, and you're, you're triggering, like, traps and things around the mansion, you know? And all that is just kind of fun gameplay and interesting level design you know so i like all that about it and then the cutscenes of resident evil are generally more campy and funny uh even even when they're doing a good job at doing horror it's still like kind of 80s campy (laughs) horror you know and so uh so yeah like the you know that's kind of what they have to offer i I would like to play more Silent Hill because I loved yeah. two, uh, but I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of Resident Evil at this point, having played um, the ones that I mentioned, and now now Code Veronica X is just it's it's so much better than I was expecting in 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 a way that I wasn't expecting at all. I thought they were gonna go more serious, but they. Oh my god, it's silly and it's hilarious. Yeah, I, I I struggle to think of anything from Capcom I actually really like that isn't a fighting game. 
uh, or beat em up like uh, Final Fight. I don't know if I like Final Fight yet. I need to play it. I, I, I know I love playing his um, ha- Hagar. Hagar? I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but he's a fun character. But yeah. Well, a fucking street fighter. Oh, wait, you said games. besides yeah. fighting games. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's anything. Well, they did uh, Mega Man. I've never been, a- well, been able to get into Mega Man. Uh, when I was a kid, I was in daycare. They had Mega Man uh, on on Super Nintendo and uh, NES, but they weren't like the daycare's games, and I was never allowed to play them. They looked okay. Um, and then when I got an NES for the first time in like two or three years, yeah, two or three years ago, and I tried Mega Man Two, I sat there on my my CRT, by the way, uh, loving every second of it, of uh, of losing for like a 30 minute streak of not even not even being able to get past like the third screen like i was so bad at the platforming Mm. that i was just falling off and it's like i can't be this bad at video games there's no way (laughs) and it turns out that mega man is just super hard so i it never got a yeah yeah, it 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 never got a hook into me like that um sure Oh, one more thing about, like, the comparison between Resident Evil Mm. and Silent Hill also is that from what I played of Silent Hill, you don't really know necessarily why there are monsters or what there are or what they are, you know? But with Resident Evil, the story is more about, like, an evil corporation and experiments, right? And it means that, like... With Silent Hill, you fight, like, a bunch of just weird creatures, right? And they're all just kind of weird. They're kind of alien-like. While in uh, Resident Evil, it's like, first it's zombies, right? But then, oh, now there's uh, now there's snakes. Okay, and there's a giant snake. Now there's fucking giant spiders for some reason. Now we're going to go into the part... Now, th- now we're going to go into the part where there's uh, sharks, by the way. There's also <laughs> sharks now, you know? Um, so, like, it really goes through, like, a lot of... Again, it's silly. Like, you know, you, you go through a bunch of silly shit. And, uh, and, and, and that, again, contributes to, like, what I'm talking about with, like, the fun gameplay, you know? Where, uh, where I, I, I really enjoy... Stuff like that, where it's like, oh gosh, now we're in like the deep water and we gotta avoid the sharks, and that's different from other stuff, yeah. you know. And yeah, they're just fun ass games, man. Yeah, fun ass games. All right, that's that's that. All right, so if you guys would love to talk about CRT stuff, we would love to hear about it in the comments below. If you're watching on YouTube or if you are listening to us, just continue being awesome, I guess, on Spotify or Apple podcasts or uh if you're just listening from a direct rss feed we appreciate y'all tuning in um crts they rule they also suck but they rule too and they're worth it